Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Greetings, humans. You have entered the command zone, your destination for all aspects of Elder Dragon Highlander. Enjoy your stay. All right, everybody, welcome to The Command Zone. We are on episode six. I am Jimmy Wong. What up, what up? Josh Lee Kwai. And today we are joined by a very special guest. Introduce yourself. You are? Hi, I'm Alex Kessler. Nice. Alex Kessler is a dear friend of ours, uh, also a friend of ours and Craig's, who was also previously on this podcast. Alex, what do you do in the world and what's related to Magic the Gathering? Uh, well, I play Magic the Gathering, but I also am one of the creators of the web series Top Decking. Nice. Top Decking is great. In fact, you guys are just shooting some stuff today. Yeah, we, we have one more day left of filming for the second season, and it should exciting. be exciting. If yeah. you guys have not checked out Top Decking, like if you're listening to this podcast, you like Magic, which means you will like Top Decking. So That's true. Where do we find it? Uh, you can find it either on YouTube or webisodesnetwork.com. Nice. So, Alex, you've actually played a lot more uh, competitive Magic, and so what's what's your history with that? Uh, I started playing Magic in Tempest because okay. my dad makes toys, and he got to meet Wizards people early and got a bunch of free stuff and gave it to me. I was like, oh, this is lame. <laughs> and then, Did you really think it was lame? Yeah, until the fourth grade. Ah. And then it was like, oh, this is cool, and I have all these cool old cards that none of you people have. And right. then I played, and then it got banned. And so then I stopped playing. And then I started playing in 10th, M10, M10. 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 Oh, cool. So, like, Zendikar came out. I made a bunch of fetch land opening pack-ness. Oh, really? Yeah. Interesting. And then just have been playing because it's, like, very addictive. It is very addictive. Do what? you have a lot of fetch no. lands now because you play in Zendikar? I have, I have all of the fetch lands. Dude, that's that's a lot of value right there. Oh, well, maybe I don't have the allied ones, but <laughs> they're supposed to be in cons. As far as I'm you're hearing it now, right. I'm calling it. You're calling it Cons Allied of fetch lands and cons of Tarkir. You heard it here first, and if you're right, we'll throw a some kind of celebration. I want fireworks. Fireworks? Okay, yeah. we can make that happen. I don't know if we can do it in the studio, but no, in the studio. You won't actually see the fireworks. You'll just hear the sound effects. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. it's a podcast. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and then we'll put a really nice picture of like Nicol Bolas to to like show the chaos that's happening. Could it be like the dragon? fireworks from like lord of the rings oh that'd be pretty sweet yeah get gandalf on it definitely so <laughs> today we are going to talk about a lot of, yeah right today we're going to talk about a lot of fun stuff uh we're going to talk about the meta of commander and just magic in general uh because i think this is something that's equally as interesting as like the politics and negotiation that spans outside of the realm of the actual card game itself because you know 
actual cards on the table versus person to person is very different. And that changes a lot, especially who you play with, where you play, whether or not you play in tournaments, whether or not you're just a Friday Night Magic kind of person, whether you play over your kitchen table. I almost said kitchen sink. That's not a place to play Magic. I play on my kitchen sink. Nice. I don't don't play with your fetch lands there, though. <laughs> okay. like, play with, like, crappier cards that... I laminated them. They're all oh, okay. oh, <laughs> nice, all right. Nice, excellent. Don't laminate your cards. Ever. Yeah, the meta is kind of <laughs> similar to the political discussion we had a few episodes ago um, in that it doesn't have to do exactly with cards, but it's really important in shaping like how you build your deck and how you play your deck. Kessler, do you want to explain what meta is? Well, uh, I mean, there are kind of t- there are three ways to do meta. We won't cover one because that has to do with game design and mm-hmm. we're not talking about that. But the two ones, the one that most people focus on is like competitive metas, which is not also what we're talking about today, but that's kind of what decks are really good right now and what are popular and what decks you should play against. What right. we're talking about, I think, But, is I mean, meta in general just means using information that's not true part of the game yeah. that you're playing right now to affect, the like, game. how you're going to yeah. play the game. It's everything outside the game that helps you make decisions inside the game, yeah. right? Yeah, correct. It's essentially what the sideboard is, right? A big part of the sideboard in competitive meta is knowing what cards to slot in and out. It's sideboard and, and, you know, deck selection. Like, I know, oh, mono black control is going to be big this weekend, mm-hmm. so I'm going to play a deck that's good against mono black control. Or right. I know affinity is going to be big at this PTQ, so I'm going to run all of the ancient grudges. Gotcha. Now. Yeah, it's it has to do with, it's like carryover information right. from, like... It's not, It's not. like, there's strategy, which is, I'm going to play this card now or hold on to it later when it's more relevant. And then there's meta strategy, which is, before I even sit down to the table for a game, I'm going to think about what I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. It's also meta things like, oh, I see he's got a swamp, and I know these are the cards he's likely to have. Even though, throughout the, you know, whatever format you're in, there's going to be a whole lot of options of black cards that they could play. There's yeah. really... You can narrow it down from the meta based on, you know, what you know is sort of in circulation in the meta game. True. And then in Commander, it also comes down to, well, I know Jimmy is very competitive at Commander, so he is playing a swamp. So most likely there is Cabal Coffers in there, and most oh, likely yes. there's Urborg in Hello, there. Urborg. Most likely yeah. there's ways to find those things. Yeah. And, and also meant- the Commander itself, like, when it yeah. runs over... Like, yeah, that's information from outside the game because you know, like, what cards go. Right, yeah. And also, you've probably played against the people in your playgroup before, so that's a big part of it, is knowing specifically because Mm. you've actually seen it last time, you know, maybe five minutes ago in the game you just lost, like, exactly what they've got, and you can make decisions... You know, based on what's technically right. outside the game. Oh, they flip Niv-Mizzet. I'm going to hold all my counter spells for <laughs> yeah, when exactly. he's going to win the game. Infinitely, right, right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I got to counter that Ophidian and I. Yeah, the nice thing about Commander is that you definitely, it's like you get the best sign in the world as to what their deck could potentially be as soon as you see their Commander. Because, I mean, it's, it's there are there are lots of wacky builds out there, but I think in general, like, if you see Perforos pop up, you can kind of expect what their win condition, one of their win conditions is going to be, right? So you can, like... Yeah, just pooping little tokens onto the table and <laughs> just, then just tokening winning. out. Yeah, yep. exactly. So you know, like you can. Uh, Commander is nice in that way because you could you imagine playing tournament Magic and you're like, I'm going to play this deck, and they just told you at the very beginning of the match, right? Right. Was- well, and then I mean, there is a certain level where you're able to tell, oh, that person played a swamp. I know he's playing mono black or he right. played that card. So I like if yeah. immediately first thing know what he's going to be doing. But That's true. I mean. That is still true of EDH, though, that, oh, he's playing a general that I am aware of, and I know how to fight against that, or I know, oh, I'm screwed, I need to make friends with this guy over here to help me beat him, otherwise we're all going to die. And if you don't have friends at the end of the day, that sucks, right? 
Well, that kind of brings us to our next subject. I mean. <laughs> yeah, don't <laughs> sacrifice your friends. Don't sack out them. Let don't em. sack out your friends. Please, guys, PSA from us to you. One thing I'd also like to say that I don't think we stressed yet is, like, meta does include, like, other games you play with the same people. Like, you know, League of Legends can really actually affect, like, the meta game in your commander uh, playgroup if you play with the same people or right you know anything you do with them really can affect your metagame like you know oh this person's aggressive that can be like a personality trait they have in all the games they play and it often is this person is not aggressive or this person you know however they like to play one game is often how they like to play another game and so you can extrapolate a lot of information based on playing halo with somebody well i, I mean i'd almost say even like that effect happens to magic and i think magic has that effect yeah. on other things right yeah. i've definitely oh you guys know that i'm really competitive and i try and be very good at something so i know that from magic so most likely i need to kill you first in halo exactly. in right. cosmic encounter in name random game because yeah. it's like oh no i don't want to lose and exactly. he always wins well that brings us to something which is that kessler is generally in in our circle one of the better players so you're a good person to have for this subject because yeah. you know the good players, and we hear this a lot from pros, you know, and, and from, you know, just spiky players in general. A, a big complaint about EDH, we've touched on it before, is because it's a format where sort of the the, the weaker players can gang up on the, the person that's sort of feared the most. And so that's really meta plays, you know, is when, is when you know, people at the table target somebody specifically only for the reason that they know before the game even starts, like, that person's kind of the best player at the table. Yeah, exactly. Well, I feel like that's just the pro spiky players playing incorrectly <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I think it's a true, lot of right? that is i'm just saying like that's them not understanding right. that you there's a different what, layer what meta game really is i mean edh is unique because it has two parts to the meta you know there's the card meta that we talked about that's that's uh the same as like um your other standard legacy modern construct formats but there's the social meta that those formats don't have because in one-on-one if you're the most feared pe- person on the table like that's good they might make yeah. misplays. Right. They might do stuff they wouldn't otherwise do because they're scared of you. But in EDH, that can be a real detriment. Well, I mean, uh, the person who actually taught me how to play EDH is a good example of this. His name, we're going to call him Joe. Okay. It's not his actual name, but we're going to call him Joe. We have changed the name to protect the innocent. Uh, yes. Uh, so he is a person who, you know, he kind of would run the table. But people would know that. So he started playing this play style where he would, you know, not do anything and then if anyone messed with him if anyone tapped his land to do something if someone stole something from him, he, he would had just a decide, zero tolerance policy i'm just going to kill you mm-hmm. you are the only person i'm going to focus on until you're dead and so people he would eventually stop just people wouldn't focus on him because like well i could attack joe but then i would die and everyone else would win so he I'm didn't have a, a proportionate response it was always a disproportionate right. response right. Exactly. we actually talked about that in politics which was acting strong and swift and uh, and promising swift ret- retribution right, as yeah. a way to deter, deter aggression. Yeah. yeah, you either have to be. So he's sh- meta gaming though because right. he knows like this particular game, I'm going to lose it because I'm going to go at somebody, and that's generally a bad strategy with games. everything I've got. But but I'm what I'm doing is I'm building up a reputation for six seven games down the road where like all of a sudden people are hesitant to attack me. And so yeah, I, I forfeited you know six nights of play for the next twenty nights. Right where. What's, you know, now I'm in a good position to win because they're actually 
scared to come at me. It's a life choice. Mm -hmm. You're you're deciding I'm going to be this guy forever, Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. it's going to be how I play my decks. It's how I'm going to build my decks. It's going to how people expect me to build my decks, and that's Mm -hmm. just how it's going to go. And that's just one choice. You can have a lot of other choices. You could play group huggy stuff. You could be the guy at the table that's always like letting people draw their cards, even even if you don't have a specific group hug deck, and and be that person all the time. And then that's going to be expected of you, and they're going to. You know they're gonna um, interact with you no matter when or what you're playing on that level every time, and and that can be an advantage or a disadvantage depending, right? Uh, I mean, quick tip for EDH play: always kill the person who's group hugging people <laughs> first. <laughs> but it's hard to get the whole table to agree to do that. Right? That's, they're always gonna go kill the guy that looks the most scary. That's why. Have you yeah. seen horror movies? The friendly guy's the murderer. <laughs> <laughs> so let I, I have a couple of questions. I have a couple of questions about Joe. Joe. Now, would you say that this kind of play style was too aggressive, just aggressive enough? Would, did it ever upset people to the point where they're like, man, I wish he would play differently? Or was it, was it sort of assumed that, like, you know what, this is sort of the, it's making us all more b- competitive and better at the game? Um, I would say it had probably two major effects. One was it definitely rose the competitive level in the table. So, mm-hmm. every, like, because he would be this hyper-aggressive or hyper-passive, and generally the decks he'd also play would, like, Armageddon right. every couple turns. So it, it definitely raised up a metagame that was very, very competitive, where people were no longer playing the 70% good deck that, you know, is right. kind of becoming a thing. It'd be much more like, oh, no, I'm going to play every expensive card that I can get my hands on that's very gotcha. good, which, you know, can be a negative to the, the metagame. It makes it very toxic for newcomers, newcomers <laughs> specifically. Um, beyond that, if, you know, you kind of let him do his thing and you just made sure to focus on him or someone just bit the bullet and was like, okay, I'm going to be the guy that's going to duke it out with Joe today and we're going to kill each other and mm-hmm. everyone else can have a fun game. It could lead to really good stories and really good gameplay. Right. It could also lead to six-hour games because the lands have been destroyed 12 times and your decks are just going through. So it can be very toxic. Right. Would you say, how would you say Joe's, like, how did you say this strategy worked out for him in the long run as far as, like, <laughs> not his pleasure? Because obviously, like, he's playing towards his personality and what he enjoys about the game. But as far as, like, winning. Was it a winning strategy overall? I do know that even in a world where you get – because the store that he plays at now a lot is uses the point system. I don't know if you guys are yeah. aware of the points of 3DH. And I know he is generally one of the top players every season. And that is – even though he's destroying all lands where you lose a bunch of points, he's still killing players. And he's – because really the key to EDH is lasting as long as possible. Because most decks are built where there is an eventual curve where once you hit a certain point, you just win unless right. someone stops you. Right. And that's why being passive can be so powerful. Right. Um, I had a, another friend who I just, his name is Austin. That's his real name. Um, he's not protected. He's not protected because <laughs> he's nice, but he plays. <laughs> he just plays with an extra ten lands. Whatever lands you're supposed to play, he just adds ten because his assumption is that my deck needs more lands, or not my deck, but I am better off if I just appeared like I'm mana flooded. It is always better to appear mana flooded and not doing anything than to appear like you're doing stuff. That's something we talked about in the politics episode too, which is like right. appearing weak, so that people mis- uh, they sort of are deceived by that, and you're not perceived as a threat. And you know, then you can sort of leverage that into going longer, or you know, making it to whatever turn you need to pull off your infinite combo or whatever. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about specifically like the card meta as we said there's two metas so i think the simpler one really is the card meta the card meta is 
literally like knowing what decks are in your playgroup or what decks you're likely to face or what decks you have been facing and then stacking your deck specifically with answers to those decks because right. you know we've talked about this in the past also but it's foolish if you're in a if you're in a playgroup and you've never seen any graveyard recurrence or anything like that it's pretty foolish to put in graveyard hate into any of your decks because you you just don't need that stuff yeah you know now if you see it from a bunch of the decks that you play then it's foolish not to have it yeah I think meta definitely... So, for example, in our group that we play in, uh, that Alex occasionally joins in on, um, not everyone had decks. So, like, for instance, Matt, our friend, has a Prosh deck and just a Prosh deck. And so whenever you want to play Commander with someone that just has one deck, you're going to face that deck often. And so I find that the card meta is very often... It's very reactive. It's always, this happened, this happened. I need to supplement with this. I need to add this in. I need to slide this in. And so trying to maximize your efficiency while giving you a higher percentage chance of winning. So... If, for example, that's how it works in our group, and card meta is definitely great because I think reactive is the heart of the game of Magic. You're always doing stuff in response to, right? Like, this meta extends beyond casting an instant at something. It's giving you the chance to say, like, I need to do this in the real life as well to purchase this, put this in, and make a physical decision to, like, change how the game is played. Right. I mean, if you're just, you're never going to be at a point where you shouldn't, in a healthy play group, be at a point where you're like, my deck's good, it's just set. Because it should always, there should always be a portion of it that's fluctuating based on what else you're facing. And if everybody right. else is doing the same thing, then at any given time they're changing, and that's going to force you to change a little bit, and that's going to force them to change a little bit. You know, yeah. even if it's just one on one, it should, you know, it's not going to be your whole deck. But there should, there's maybe five, six cards in there that right. at any given time you could switch around. I mean, that's just why to pull a number out of thin air. Yeah, but, I think that's yeah. why multiplayer is more fun because I think one on one it can get stale, right? You can sort of work each other to a brick standstill. And then those games can go into six-hour-long games because you're just sitting there battling it out, like countering after countering, response after response. Well, especially in the social, I am with my group of friends hanging out, and we're yeah. not trying to grind and practice for some tournament out there. When you're just like, yeah. we want to play for fun, playing a standard deck versus another standard deck is just eventually draining. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, where, like, you know, the reason I got into Magic was I wanted to create something. I created this thing, and I want to see how well it does. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like what I wish I could have done if I could have joined the robot fighting <laughs> TV shows back in the day. Right, Lego Technics. Like, right, I built something. Let's fight it. Yeah. Magic lets you do that, and, you know, that doesn't happen as much in standard and modern and professional tournaments because those are all about I'm picking the right deck for the right moment. Right. Where EDH and social gaming lets you create a monster and see if your monster can beat other people's <laughs> monsters. Yeah, I just imagine the monster is like a giant Swiss Army knife with Swiss Army knives coming out of Swiss <laughs> Army knives just to like tackle everything that comes in its way. I, I would love to see that in real life. Uh, so, I mean, let's talk about some yeah, let's talk a about few some specific cards colors. just for, as ideas for like what you know you put in against certain things. Like we've talked about the Torpor Orb and the Hushwing Grift uh, or Hushwing Griff uh, stopping the Flicker deck uh, before. You know, there's stuff like um, you know I have a Suspend deck. Uh, Joyra of the G2 deck, mm. and there's a card called Aeon Hub. Terrible person. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> That's my deck for, like, if if your friend Joe right. steps up, then I pull that deck right, out. Right. I don't pull that deck out against our playgroup barely ever, but, you know, you I, I like to have one deck that's like, okay, we're playing to win. Right, right. I'll play to win, but that's my deck for it, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, speaking And of it blows up lands, and it, right. like, does all kinds of, like, stuff that m most people, you know, every playgroup's different. I'm fine with blowing up lands. I, right. I'm fine. If, if that's the game we're playing, that's let's play that game. I'm, I'm cool with it. Well, and then in that example, that's when your deck should start playing Crucible Worlds. Yeah. No mm -hmm. matter what. That's when your deck yeah. should start playing Sacred Ground, which, you know, th these so are... So this is all meta stuff, right, exactly. though, because you like, wouldn't normally play that stuff at all. No, because most people frown upon... Unless your deck upon, it, But know? in that environment where Joe existed, you know... 
you had to run Sacred Ground main right. deck in your deck. You had to run Crucible World, yep. no matter what. Even if you didn't have strip miney combo stuff, you just if he was at the table, you know, well, my lands are going to go away. So either I have to make sure I sandbag some lands and don't play as fast, or I need to have answers to it, which is Life from the Loam. You know, I like what you said there, though, because there's actually a third option, and a lot of people take it, and I don't think they should, which is just to whine about it a lot. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, that's not going to be really healthy if you take that attitude towards EDH in general. Like, your attitude should be like, okay, Magic is a game that's been pretty well designed so that if people are doing things, there are tools for me to combat it. Mm-hmm. And it's my job to go out and find the tools to combat it. If your mentality is like, I don't want to have to go do that, then it it's kind of tough to keep playing in a, a meta group that's evolving, right? Right. Yeah. yeah so in a play group that's evolving. Sorry. Well, and that's kind of one of the great things about EDH is that it kind of has a social check on mm-hmm. it where, you know, first off, if a card is too powerful, it gets banned. But excluding those situations, you know, eventually your friends will be like, well, I don't want to play with you. If you're going to yeah. be um, repeating, flashing in Sylvan Primordial every turn with... Um, the guy in a boat. I don't know what he's called. But Dead Eye Navigator. Navigator. Then D-E-N. just no more. Go, we're not inviting you next Wednesday. Screw that guy on that boat. Yeah. <laughs> it is a very easy thing to be uninvited to, which is like someone decides to invite people. And if that person's like, I don't know, that's it. That's, we already have five people. Five. Sorry. Yeah. I don't well, want people to get scared, though, that like there's certain cards if you play them. You know, you should be in pretty good communication with your play group. And, yeah. Right, you know, right. Talk. Yeah, exactly. Like, don't, sure you... don't kick somebody out or virtually kick them out by just not inviting them for doing that once or twice. Like, just talk to them and be like, hey, listen, like. Yeah, you know, that is a step you take when after you've talked about it, yeah. they yeah. still are like, sorry, bros, I'm, I'm, I'm playing Dead Eye Navigator. Yeah. You guys got to deal with it. Some yeah, other cards to talk about, um, you know, like token decks. I know there's a ton of token decks out there. They're super popular. You know, one of my favorite things is Rakdos Charm. Which deals damage oh, yeah. to the controller for each creature they have. Well, and it's versatile, so it's not. And it's, yeah, and it's instant. And if they're not playing a token deck, it's just not dead in your. Right, you can destroy artifacts. You can exile er, all cards in uh, target player's graveyard. Great ability. Yeah, it's great ability. Always relevant EDH. Yep. Actually, key to EDH or commander, always play graveyard hate. Yeah. It is so strong, and people don't really hate on you for it because you're just being the, I'm stopping someone. But You're like the janitor cleaning up right. the, uh, the trash at the end, and no one can fault you for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other the other abilities on Rakdos Charm or is, is destroy a target artifact or each creature deals one damage to its controller. So each creature dealing one damage to its controller is for the token decks, right? Somebody, right. That's a single has, card that's not an expensive. Somebody pops card. out like... You know, I've seen a hundred in a turn. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm going to make 17 million Kiki Jiki or whatever. Like, right. And then you just go, okay, you take 17 million damage. Right. That's yeah. The they best. have to dis- they have to decide the arbitrary number by which they die. <laughs> and then, like, <laughs> and then, like you said, the Rakdos Charm is versatile in that, like, oh, they've got graveyard re- mm-hmm. recurrence, like right. the Marchesa deck we talked about uh, in episode one. Oh yeah. Uh, okay. Well, I'll just hose that whole deck too. Yeah. yeah, or sorry, not not two, but I'll host that deck if I'm against that. Right. Deck. It, yeah. I mean, and it's why the charms or all charms yeah. have historically been fan favorites and powerful. Is all these uh, small effects that you're like, well, I wouldn't play that card by itself, but when mm. you get every Kiki Jiki player gets killed by this card, every graveyard shenanigan deck gets killed by this card, and just randomly, oh, artifacts are relevant in yeah. the format of artifacts. It all adds relevant. up, and it's a good card. Right. Yeah. Um. Some other stuff, like, uh, everybody in the playgroup, there's one guy, and he's got, like, old-school dual lands, and he's got, like, all those super expensive lands. I'm looking right at Alex. I have dual lands, too, though. Yeah. So we all have a version of dual lands. Yeah, Here's there's the a card like Price of Power. Yeah. I'm not the worst, though I do play with the Abyss. 
What is the Abyss so that our viewers Oh, the Abyss is a black enchantment that costs an exorbitant amount of money that I got from for Pox for Legacy. But what it does is it kills a black creature during every player's upkeep. Non-black black creature. Non-black creature. That is intense. (laughs) It is the true true Abyss. Oh, no, yeah. I mean... Can we talk about price? It's not not the worst. It's 180 bucks. (laughs) It wasn't when I got it, and mine's like Italian, so it's really El Obiso. El Obiso. El Obiso. That's true. Uh, Actually, that's... uh, I mean, this is a way... for a lot of people to get more budget cards in EDH, especially the older cards, is as alternate languages. Italian usually is priced lower than, yeah. Amer- than English. The non-Asian, non-Russian. If the language looks not cool. Yeah. So, like, Korean looks really cool because there's little circles, and Russian looks really cool because they have letters that it's don't like Cyrillic exist. alphabet. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, the Abyss is great. I think the Tabernacle of Pendril Veil is another card that I think is the mythical. That card costs a lot, and oh, yeah. it poses people. It Ooh. just shuts stuff down. Why are we, We're just talking about, like, Four hundred dollar cards. Yeah, but <laughs> the thing is, the commander is great. But again, like, well, we, we, the the point of this, I yeah. think, is really not that we're talking about four hundred dollars cards. It was we're saying that generally the player who shows up with them gets killed first. Yeah, exactly. The nice thing about commander as a beginner format is not necessarily that the rules are easier, but it's that I can play with anything. Yeah, I just need exactly. sixty cards that I think are cool that I'll go with this cool legendary creature that I picked up. I, I think one of the draws of EDH is also that, like, let's be honest, like. Getting your first copy of like some cool mythic or whatever is oh, awesome. Yeah. Going right. and finding your next three copies of it, it's not that fun. Right, right. It's because I already have one. So getting my second, you know, I don't know, Liliana or something is just like if when you already have one in your binder is not that cool. So what yeah. EH allows you to do is sort of what's naturally fun when you're like collecting or or, or gathering things, which Gotta is like catch them all. each one is new, right? And you to don't you. S- you don't start out with a collection with play sets. You start right. with a collection yeah. of one ofs. You open right. packs, and yep. when you open packs, you get some cool rares. Yeah, you get some not cool cards, but in the long run, you're going to be able to build a collection much quicker to build an EDH deck. Right. Then you are to build anything else. Anything really. else, yeah, and that's cool too. Because like, right, it sucks to go to a table. If you like, you went online, you went to eBay, you bought a card that was like two hundred bucks. It's a great card. You play it, and then everyone's like, "Well, we got to kill him now." It's like, isn't that the worst feeling you could ever have? You literally spent money to be shut down. <laughs> Like, that's the opposite of what people want to do. So, yeah. So, it's good to pay attention to your meta. That's another level of sort of the social meta is finding out what people respond to negatively. Like, playgroups are different. I've been in some playgroups where, like, they respect the the high roller. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. And they're like, that's cool or whatever. I've been in playgroups where, like, if you start drawing a lot of cards, they come after you. I've right. been in playgroups where you draw a lot of cards, they don't even notice. They're like, oh, they're, you're not doing damage. But if you play an 8-8 creature, they just come after you. Right. But there's a lot of playgroups where you play an 8-8 creature, and they just are like, so? Yeah, whatever. Yeah. Sure, swing so away. Each playgroup's going to have its own dynamic as far as what sets them off. And so knowing yours will help you determine like what cards to go buy on eBay and yeah. which ones maybe you know aren't going to do what they need to do because they're just going to light the fuse under everybody. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Before we move on, to the social meta a couple things we've talked a lot about in the past about specific cards that counter specific specific decks but from a broader perspective i think there's also like things like paying attention to the color pie Mm -hmm. and knowing what's weak within each colors like if somebody's playing rakdos like they're going to be pretty weak to enchantments right you know so rakdos is black uh red for those that don't know and um the color pie is sort of something to become familiar with uh in magic which is this idea that each color only has like a certain subset of things that it's good at yeah, strengths and weaknesses. Yeah, strengths they're, and weaknesses, they're, yeah. the way they built the game, and I mean, if you talk to the creators of the game, they think that the color buy is the golden, the golden goose. Right, it's the most yeah. important thing. Where you know other card games, 
any you sh- your top hundred best cards in the entire game are the cards you play with because mm-hmm. there's no color separation, so you can play with any card. Yeah. In Magic, it forces you to play with. Well, I'm gonna play black red. I'm gonna play green blue, and that means a you don't have access to everything. So if I'm only gonna play, I can't just play only blue cards because that means I can't kill creatures. I can't kill um enchantments. I can't just play a black deck because I can't kill enchantments. I can't play a green deck because flyers are going to be a problem. So you you know you have to kind of match and match colors, which encourages diversity, and that's yeah, what's really definitely. important. Is that the game of Magic is so diverse? There are so many choices that you can make that it really allows each person to kind of express themselves exactly who they are, exactly who they think they so want. So what are what are themselves. your colors, Alex? I am most likely blue white. Blue white. I hate myself for it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I've played blue white. I'd say most successfully at draft, though, so I can't hate you too much because they fly. And what, can't we fly. know that Jimmy's Jimmy the Red. Yeah, I do enjoy. I grew up on red, right? I think I'm an Aries. If that means anything to you, whatever is out there that believe in astrology, uh, yeah, you whatever. You know, they're all there. like off. Yeah, exactly. by like a month. Like, yeah, since yeah. Since it was love, created, the like right, orbit of the, the Earth orbit is changing. <laughs> yeah, right. It's like it's been slowly changing over time, and it will continue to change. There's like a love. deleted one. There was like 13, and someone hit like, backspace Let's get on rid that of one? the snake carrier because that sounds scary. You know, I, you know, I prefer to live by the uh, the Chinese zodiac in which I'm a rabbit, so I'm a fiery rabbit. I thought I was a dragon my entire life. Really, and I found out Uh-oh. a year ago that I am a rabbit. Wow! Because my birthday is the first like. February third is right, my birthday. After the Chinese New Year. Anyone who wants to wish yeah. me a happy birthday happy next February. 3rd. Oh, you were going oh, by the Western yes. calendar. Yeah. So I was going by yeah, Western calendar, calendar where like, but right. Chinese New Year's middle of February. Yeah. So like, all of those menus at Chinese restaurants are lying to you. And if you're born in February and January, you're really the year before. That's dude. Should, that's disappointing. You went from dragon to rabbit. You I got know. polymorph. Whoa, whoa, hold on. Polymorphing is great. Yeah. You got polymorph. Rabbit. Well, he said he's blue. Ra- rabbit Bugs bunny. Um, just bunny, other uh, famous rabbits. Water ship <laughs> down, guys. <laughs> thinking you could have uh, been, you could have been puff. Could have been a fight. or smog. I don't want to be puffer. Smog's a bad guy, and puff is a allegory for drugs. <laughs> Pretty sure you're. We puff. don't. We don't support those things here. On <laughs> yeah, this exactly. Exactly. We do not condone any, condone any of that. <laughs> what? You know what? I. It's an uh, allegory for what? Who? Since okay, when? Okay. Okay. Nickel bolus over there. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> All right. All right. I mean, let's so, get, let's not get around. So back to the color pie. Um. Back to the color pie, like that's something to keep in mind because knowing the colors that the, that their commanders they like to play are can oftentimes tell you what the weaknesses of their deck are going right. to be. So, right. yeah. so, so you know, study the color pie, learn sort of the ins and outs of that, and that can give you a lot of things that like like you wouldn't. Not that there's a specific enchantment that counters Rakdos. It's just that like they can't deal with enchantments at all. So yeah, Leyland of Sanctity. Ah, yes, there's one card that doesn't. Bam, mind blown. Boom. <laughs> um, another thing to think about, too, is um, some people do this. Uh, some people play by separate commander rules. There are uh, the, the 1v1 dual commander rules. Oh, the There's French. French commander. Yeah, yeah, there's no soul ring in French, correct? Yep. Nope. Yeah. No soul ring. So that's another thing. Just make sure you discuss it. That's a good point. Speaking I mean, of, I don't have, like, I don't care if somebody does a two. Like, I just don't, right. I don't care oh. if they blow up my lands, and I don't care if they do a two-card sure. combo. Because I live in the world where, like, I put it upon myself to respond to those things like okay well i need to build my deck so that it'll beat that guy's deck that's doing those things but that might be the spike yeah. in me that might be you know oh, well i mean you know how we were talking about how every color combination kind of has a weakness right well i play blue white so we don't have a weakness yeah well ah. and, if, and if you've played the game and you <laughs> have true. the nice cards you don't have a weakness right i mean yeah. i have counter spell which all you have to do is spells. play blue spells. cards from like early right. in magic because the color pie didn't exist early on and right. blue mm-hmm. basically just could do everything blue? counter spell right 
Counter that smell. It Counter. stinks. <laughs> Counter smell <laughs> is something that happens when you've... Uh... That's something you really need at Magic Cards. It's yeah, called it's... Old Spice. Oh, my God. <laughs> it sounds goodness. like an yeah. unhinged card. Uh, um, I would recommend a toothbrush and toothpaste, to be honest. Counter spell plus Wrath of God. Yeah. Really nothing else. Everything regenerates, I guess. Uh, yeah, sure. Yeah, you can kind of win. Win the day. You can kind of win. That's it. Alex Kessler, everybody. I bro- Counter I broke spell, it. Wrath broke of God, it. format yeah. broken. If you've ever wanted game. to build the best EDH deck, it's just variants of those. Counter spell, Mem- Wrath Night. of God, Mem- and Mem- Mem- Night. Yeah. yeah, so you can play spells for free. Oh, uh, uh, yeah. Memnark, you mean? No, Memnite. No, Memnite. No, one, one for zero. Oh, it's yeah. not good. <laughs> so, <laughs> well... Sort of along these lines, like something I like to do uh, that helps you from the meta perspective, because people start building the decks. You're in the play group. You've got a, a deck that's pretty strong. People start building their deck against you, and you can get into this loop where you slightly change it, and they slightly change theirs, but in general, like not a lot's changing. A good way to combat this stuff, build another deck. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, build two more decks. Yeah. Like, all of a sudden... And that deck might just completely smoke the previous one that had been, like, built up against this other one, you know? Well, exactly. Right. I like to build my decks and think of, like, okay, the deck that I had first... They're combating it with this stuff. So what I need to do is build a deck where the stuff that combats my last deck sucks against this new deck. Right. So now all of a yeah. sudden, like they, I have to, just keeping them honest. Like they have to do like graveyard hate for one, but graveyard hate doesn't do anything against and they the don't other. Know what's coming. And they don't yeah. know which deck I'm going to play. Trains come to town. You don't know. <laughs> you don't know who's on it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That's so. a very magical train. <laughs> uh, so. It, you know, having one, two, three decks, you know, what, however many you want. I mean, you can have 50 yeah. if you feel like right. it. But, you know, even just a couple really changes the dynamic of mm-hmm. your meta and how people can sort of get ready for you. And to kind of go with, you know, we want people to be able to afford this as right. a hobby to a certain extent. So, you know, the way I kind of started doing this is I started making sure that I don't have any color overlap. Or mm-hmm. if I do, right. the overlap is based off of such a extreme. A very specific um, part of that. Uh, well, not just specific, but, like, synergistic. So, right. like, you know, I have a few green, white, or green, black decks. But, you know, I have a green, white deck, a green, black deck, and then a green, black, white deck. But that green, black, white deck is so graveyard-specific that none mm. of the cards are the same. Right. So that I don't have and to And a green, drop... white deck, the green is going to function totally different than right. a green, black deck. Exactly. Because exactly. one will be Dredge and one will be... Well, one's Teague, which yeah. is not the nicest commander. But he... <laughs> <laughs> Gaddick Teague, he is a white, green, Kifkin advisor or bureaucrat, one of those. Uh He's politi- political. Politi- politician. And he makes it so people cannot play non-creature spells for more mana and no X spells at all. Yeah. So, um, and then my green-black deck, which is the ramping, get um, Urborg and Cable Coffers, which, if you don't know, makes uh, mana equal to how many lands you have, basically, mm-hmm. and just goes off in giant spells. So they're very different, and they're and it lets me play with, you know, and we would combat those cars. decks very differently. Right. So yeah, all exactly. of a sudden, like, you have two decks. Yeah, they both have green in them, but I can't use the same disruption package, package for both decks. Right. Like, One, you need land destruction and, yeah. and you yeah. know, ways to stop me from ramping or, like, anti-deck searching cards. And the other one, you need just board wipes that cost less than four. So there's, like, three artifacts in the history mm-hmm. of the game that let you do it. Yeah, it's true. Toxic Deluge. Toxic yeah, to and that uh, I was so unhappy. It's always when that one card of the best. It's just, like, yeah, the just, best card in right. almost every situation these yeah. days. Um so that's another way, like, and, and you're right about being budget, but, like, I played Magic for a lot of years, but I only got into Commander, you know, a year ago or so, and, you know, first thing I did was just go buy a couple of those Commander decks. Oh, yeah, great place to start. Yeah, great place. yeah they're not the very expensive, and then all start, of a sudden, you're just honest. switching out a few of the cards that you've got, and you just slowly make it, and that, that can work at first as, like, oh, I've got two decks, and I'm just sort of, you know... I open a couple packs of something, and, like, this will go in that one, this will go in that right. one, and then, like, I play a couple people, and I'm like, oh, I need more of this, and, and, and yeah. that's well, a good way to sort of... You don't have to, like, build a 250 to 
thousand dollar deck right out the gate you can start at fifty dollars and then it right. you just slowly yeah. add to it over time well the great thing about those decks is that they created playable pseudo competitive or competitive enough for a format that is pseudo competitive mm-hmm. decks that people can just open and play with but it also allows you to go to, to the m15 pre-release open up a garrick and be like well i'm throwing this right in the process yeah, right exactly, now yeah. you know, start blowing stuff up <laughs> i'm gonna start making wolves i'm gonna go hunt down people yeah with my <laughs> giant nerf axe <laughs> <laughs> okay so let's move on to the yeah. people and the politics we've, i mean we've been covering this a lot yeah. um i have a story i want to tell from the other night that's sort of like <laughs> yeah I you think tell it first it's 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 an interesting one and it's what got me thinking about this topic to begin with is we were drafting conspiracy and we mixed it with M15 just to spice it up. So we were drafting really fun. Yeah. all the walls. Yeah, <laughs> all the walls. So we were drafting uh, five packs. The uh, so the 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 power level was going to be relatively high. And what happened is uh, Craig uh, ended up taking like a whole bunch of mind sculpts. Uh, and if you don't know what that does, that makes you mill. That makes target player mill the top seven cards of their deck. And mill is when you take the top card of your library and put it in, directly into your graveyard. Yeah, We've talked about this in the past. But if you ever have no library and you have to go draw a card and there's no card there you just lose the game automatically so Craig drafts I don't know five or six of these and then he pairs it with a couple of conspiracies the actual conspiracy mechanic cards from conspiracy so whenever he plays a spell called mind sculpt he gets to copy it and it costs one less mana and he gets to draw a card every time he does it so he basically has like an instant kill if he ever has three of them in his hand he would sit down the table card decks you're dead yeah and And he could just (laughs) do it for three mana yep so we play the first game, and the key part to the story is Jimmy ends up getting milled out. Right. I so Jimmy's in like a pretty commanding position in the game, where on board he, I think he's ahead. He has a, a Custody Soulbinders with a Spectre Ward on it, and he's just kind of in a really commanding position. But doesn't matter when you have no cards in your library. Right. Like you just lose. Doesn't matter what your life total is. Yep. All this other stuff. So Jimmy, power of mill, understandably, is pretty like, ugh, that sucks right. because For it's the a record. It, it's a it doesn't feel good to be milled out sure. because it feels like it's, it's something. It's an ineffect. You can't affect it. You have no. You can't block it. There's no effective. There's no. And you play. don't normally build your deck to combat yeah. that type of thing. And so I even had a fifty card deck. Yeah, it's just insane. it's just something that in general, like it feels a lot worse than somebody hitting you for five damage yeah. in the face and killing. Which you. Which is why classically, it's not that good. Yeah. Right. It's normal. Like I I would not recommend to almost anyone to try and <laughs> like. No, off, not at all. Now, mind you. We've all had mill decks. I think my fourth deck ever was yeah. mill because it's like, oh, this is a cool way to yeah, do something yeah. different. And then it's I would lose it every half and M. Yeah. But, I mean, the point is, like, okay, Jimmy gets milled out. He's a little bit upset about it because it's not a traditional way to lose. But it was second magic. place, so I was, like, yeah. okay with it, right? So I got to move on. So th- we were playing Thanks. with nine people, and <laughs> High five. we split into another two <laughs> groups. We split into another two groups, and we're playing another game. And here Craig is, and I'm in the other, I'm in the I'm in oh, the right. second game, and I'm looking over his shoulder, and he has three mind sculpts in his deck, and he's looking around, and I'm like, oh god, this is gonna be bad. And what's he decide to do? He decides to mill Jimmy out on the spot. <laughs> well, no, yeah, he just starts the game, and it's like pow, 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 pow goodbye. Yeah. And Jimmy just like flips the table, storms out. I picked up my my sleeved cards, my sleeved cards, stood up and slammed them down <laughs> against the table and threw a tiny fit. Because I was visibly and understandably, I hope, upset that I had literally. It's just a crappy to... way to lose a right. game. It right. was just it like just I, feels I dra- like it feels draft- totally yeah. broken. I drafted a really strong deck, I don't um, even get fifteen to play. cards, and then I cut down to forty, and it was a effective machine. I got a bunch of great cards. I'm literally and then, dead by turn three. Yeah, so, for nothing and nothing I could do about it. Like yeah. the game doesn't give me the tools to really stop that from happening to me. It just feels bad. So here I am, and I'm thinking, you know what? I wouldn't have done that. I wouldn't oh. have done it to Jimmy. 
yeah, and here's right? why Anyone else. because the first place my mind went as a third party that's not involved was like this is awesome because Craig and Jimmy and I play all the time <laughs> right and I'm going to be able to leverage this against Craig right really you won yes, you're the winner exactly. yeah, you're yeah, the true yeah, yeah. and 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 Craig didn't think about that because he wasn't thinking about the meta but the meta says I can use that information because well, there's going to become multiple points in in the next couple of months where there's the three of us left in the yeah. game and Jimmy's mm-hmm. determining like who am I going at and I'm going to be like Remember well Craig? you could you could come at me <laughs> oh. or you could come at the guy that milled you out on turn 3 that one time here's here's the truth I'm going to look at you and I'm going to smile and we're both going to turn to Craig simultaneously cause like he knows you don't even need to say anything. That's we, the beauty, Josh. We've been like, practicing this move all yeah. night. <laughs> right before this podcast, we just were like, they were practicing their double head turn double at head me. Turn. It's very frightening, and yeah. I want, I would need a hug. But look, Jimmy That's is already forming out. plans. <laughs> Jimmy has it in his mind. Sometime it's going to come to a point, and I'm going to get Craig back for it's that. It's going to be amazing retribution. Yeah. And so, from a metagame perspective, that's what I'm talking about is like plays yeah. like that. Like, it's not don't beat Jimmy. Oh, it's yeah, like, dude. do you want to beat Jimmy in that way? Because he's going to pay you back tenfold over the next right. few times. Craig could have sandbagged those cards, let people feel like they accomplished right. something, figure out who hit him first so he could be like, oh, hell um, no. Yeah, yeah, I kill you. That was me milling. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds somewhere. Sounded, yeah, sounded like a sounds magic like card to someone riffling. So, yes, exactly. Craig could have made it feel like it was closer or just milled somebody else out. Like yeah. getting milled out once in a night, that's not enough that I think most people would be like, I'm going to come and get you next time we play. But, man, milling me out for the second time. So right. here's here's the thing, all right? So Craig and I, we've had this relationship for a while now because we play a lot of the one-on-one, and it really just becomes sound to like, all right, it's antagonistic. Can we see if we can get to turn five and someone wins? And oftentimes our decks will do it in different cases. We'll face off different versions against each other. So Craig and I have a very – we've killed each other a lot. And in that case, I was like – everyone. Craig was milling people left and right, and we all agreed as a table, even you. Yeah. Kind of, it was like Craig is the problem. We need to deal with him. Oh, no, because he, he could – the first person he decided to kill, he killed. Yeah, exactly. He was dead then, dead in the water. I, right. I think I won that game also. But the second, oh, the second we'll one. That's Craig. Right. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. stormed out and we're gone. You yeah. might not. But that, no, I came yeah. back to the table and said, "Who wants to play another game?" Oh, right. <laughs> Jimmy is one of those guys who doesn't stay mad for very long. Yeah, I stay mad for a like period of ten seconds, and it's like I think I got that out of my system. But he's Let's still mad at Craig. <laughs> yeah, Craig will never live this down. <laughs> but getting away from the specifics of this story, like I'm yeah. just talking about the lesson learned of like, hey, from a meta perspective, like. You make those choices within one game and have to realize how they're going to affect the games that you play down the line. Yeah, well, yeah, of course. Yeah, this exactly. works for a lot of different things. Like if you're the guy that plays the mill deck in your group, nobody likes to win to lose that way. Like that can be a reason that they're going to come after you first, just because they know that's your deck. Or if you're the guy that just like plays uh, some sort of combo where everybody's just got to discard their hands, like nobody likes that. Right. Like yeah. anytime you have black in your deck, yeah. <laughs> anytime yeah, you have exactly. black in your deck, you can't get you can't be like, well I don't have I'm not doing that in this deck. Doesn't matter. Like you Doesn't can't matter. blame them for coming at you for doing things you've done in the past even if you're not going to do them this time. Well there's something that EDH ends up I think lending itself to is it's especially in the beginning, it's all about tweaking and editing and adding card by card making your deck better and better and better and better and then eventually ends up with my deck is stupid good right hopefully and that's when you have to kind of look at yourself and be like okay i either need to be doing this in a way that's fun for everyone i need to be doing this in a way where i'm not only playing this deck i have my stupid powerful deck but look i also have my fun times deck. fun times deck that's all warp world effects and i'll just never get there <laughs> that's your fun time like, yeah it's everyone shares yeah, everyone does share it's it is. sharing it's like a sharing communist. is caring and it can be fun <laughs> it's the red bear 
it is it is it, yeah it's the it's the group hug aspect right you do get to you have to split your stuff up yeah it's true though i mean like you don't think about it but like meta is in a, you can expand it as far as just general friendship you know right. you know it if goes I... as far as you wanted to take it and that's why i think it's really easy to take things too personally in games because someone can take like i could have seen that as an act of aggression from craig the person to jimmy the person to doing that but it was all inside the game so we can isolate it we don't have to like take our feelings elsewhere I think that's where but people the get next time trouble. we shuffle up with Craig, oh yeah, yeah, oh I mean, yeah, that's exactly. what I'm, and well, that's, that's what I'm, that's what I'm talking about yeah. is, is realizing the moves you make inside the game, and then not just how they're going to affect that game, but how they're going to affect the game's the long term. Yeah. Right, and and I mean, I I would say two two kind of life lessons from this: a, don't get mad at things. Yeah, and really, what it means is don't get mad, get even. Yeah, there you yeah. go. Revenge EDH is, is a classic dish best that. served cold. <laughs> there are so many more cliches I can say that will all ring true. I, I actually, <laughs> I really enjoy revenge is the best a dish best served cold. I think it really illustrates the point pretty perfectly. Yeah, it, you know, here's, when you get mad at a table, when you freak out, when you start yelling or flipping tables or whatever, yeah. it makes the environment toxic. When you are just like, well, you did that to me this time, next week... Let's see what happens. Let's yeah. see if I'm going to just sit at the table and go after you specifically like a sniper rifle Death Star coming at you. <laughs> sniper rifle Death Star. I sniper like that. Sniper rifle I like the Death imagery. Star. Yep. So other things I think that affect this are like when you make alliances with people and then you betray the alliances. Oh, like, yes. That you have never to think, alliances really. again. Yeah. Yeah. You have to think like, hey, yeah, that might cause me to win this game, but that might cause me to lose the, you know, the games, you know, the next 12 games at, I play because no one will ever wor- yeah. ally with me. At the very worst, never align with someone. Yeah. And yeah. I I mean, from a person who is – alliances are important. And being overt about them is not the right move. You need to be sneaky about how you're allying with people. Right. But the less people kill you, the more likely you are to win. Right. So the more friends you have, the more likely you are to but do well. But if you well. prove yeah. yourself untrustworthy once, all of a sudden – Oh, yeah. In never future game, it's not like you hit the trustworthy reset button after every <laughs> game. You right. don't. Your trustworthiness <laughs> or not carries over yeah. every time you play. And so, you know – that's something to think about. Like I see that a lot. Like uh, is people that like like we play with like, with one of the guys here, Matt, and he's sort of notorious for sort of like taking the first opening and 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 betraying people. And it's like, guess what? Know. Nobody makes alliances with him. Yeah. And then it's really hard to win a game of EDH if like everybody else is making their own little alliances and you're just on an island. Yeah. And well, here's the key: how to deal oh. with these people. Make alliances with them, but betray them first. Oh. And Revenge the rest, and often often the rest of the group won't be. Won't blame you for that betrayal because right, the, everybody they, else in our yeah, yeah. and, and again, here's where politics comes in too, which is like when you make that alliance, sort of in a subtle way, letting the other guys know that you're doing it to betray that person. And then it's like, <laughs> like there's a lot of intricacies that can be had where you can. It's just like we've said many times. It's not what you're doing. Oftentimes, it's like how you're doing it. Right. Yeah. So like just like a little wink or a little nod. You know, just giving subtle nods like, oh yeah, I'll lie with that guy, and then just looking over at the guy to your left and just being like giving him the little nod. Yeah. Like, don't worry, not. I'm betraying. So this are you guy. guys saying now that revenge is a dish best served early? Um, it's the appetizer of dishes. <laughs> <laughs> That's it's sometimes cold, chilled, yeah. like a cheese plate. It's a That's cheese true. plate. Revenge is a be- dish best served with cheese. It's funny because we play a game called Resistance as well where there's a lot of betrayal. The key of the game is to lie to your friends okay. and betray to them. And I think that's the hardest game to really carry your friendships over with. But that's the thing is like you quickly learn that you have to – you can't you can't really – you can't put yourself so far out on the line. There is a line to be crossed. You know, you can promise Otherwise, things. it carries on into it the meta. It carries on, right, yeah, right, right, the meta. Yeah. And it can destroy your meta if you're not careful. <laughs> 
So don't be the don't go too extreme either. You know what I mean? Don't, you just have to keep everything in the context of like the the big umbrella that is all the games you play yeah. with your friends. Like you don't want to push that line so far that it starts it starts bleeding into the other games that you yeah. play or the games that you're going to play in the future. Like right, and you know, and I mean unless it, you're okay with that, right? Right, right. If, if like you're willing, Joe, like Joe, Joe actually was physically using the meta to his uh, right. He's 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 the habanero pepper of of snack plate food where you do not I don't know is he's the habanero pepper of magic players you mean yeah 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 you you don't want to you don't want to chomp into it because it's going to linger yeah you know that it's going uh you're hungry and you want to take a bite but you know if you take a bite you're done for so what is something that has a disproportionate response you know that's what it is he's the cold war Right? Yeah, no, perfect. He is Russia. Yeah, he's he Russia, Russia during the Cold War. He's he promising a disproportionate response if you cross this this line. Right, you move your boat into my area of Cuba land slash Florida, and the world will end. Yeah, and what happened during the Cold War? The U.S. had to act in the exact same manner in order right. to in order to con- in order to combat. Oh, it. I think the U.S. And is so that's what guilty. happened to we you guys, call right? The U.S. Yeah, yeah. So that's what war. happened to you guys, right? Oh like, yeah. All of a sudden, you're acting like that too, and right, else, right? Because that's just how you have to <laughs> respond. Right. You're sandbagging yeah. your lands, your nuclear stockpile, and you're just waiting. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you're still waiting one, to this yeah, day. Yeah, to this day, I have lands in my pocket from a game that's yeah. been lasting four years. Yeah, that's the ultimate game with Joe. Now, Kessler, I have a question to ask you because when you first came into our play group, uh, it was through Craig, really. I, I got to meet all you guys yeah. uh, through Webisodes Network. And it, a lot of sentences would just end in a similar tone, which is like, oh, yeah, but with Kessler. It's like, oh, unless you're playing Kessler. And I got this sort of you know preconceived idea that you were this menace, this like extreme champion that would always win. And you do win quite often. But it would cause all of us to disproportionately just have like a myth, mythos around you and come at you first. Right. Craig's the worst. <laughs> right? Well, oh, I actually, walk into a group oh. and he's like, he builds up this side. I'm not, I'm, I'm okay. I'm very competitive. <laughs> I try to win. And like I, in, especially in his play group, which I am a part of, he, I am definitely the one that goes to tournaments and is much more obsessed right. with like the, the greater world of magic. Um, and so because of no, that, you, when, when you go out and you go to, I mean, I'll never forget, like when I learned to play in high school and I played in our little group and then I went to a local card shop right. and I played for the first time and I just got just banked, killed. And I was yeah, killing yeah. in our play group. Like I was the king of our play group. Yeah. And it was like, holy crap, there's this whole other world out there. And then you come back to your play group and it's like, you, you're never the it's same. Like, now, right. then it wasn't even close. Like I was just destroying those guys. Cause I had learned like, Oh, this is what the. The big world of magic right. is it's, how they play it. It's the Dragon Ball Z storyline, basically. It's, look at me. I'm showing up this tournament. I'm way better than everyone. Oh, wait. Aliens show up. They kick my butt. I'm going to go train for an episode. Now I'm as good as episodes. them. Ten. Yeah. And then, <laughs> and then when you go back to your little village. And then you go back to your village. You know, you go to that tournament, the the world championship. And, like, you just, like, people punch you and you flick them and they fly across the world. Right, right. It's true. And it, it is amazing, though, that Craig can single-handedly just say, tell a story about someone. And that person, like, the way that we talk about Joe. Like, if I ever played against Joe, I would... I would react in a, such a specific way, knowing all this prior information. Right. So, I mean, that's another way that's that the meta. meta was completely affected yeah, by that's that. that's meta. So, Kessler, let's, uh, you know, a good question to ask you is, like, as the guy that is often sort of coming in as, like... As with the, the with Joe. The, yeah, <laughs> as the Joe, as the guy with the target painted right. on his back before the game even started, like, how? what are some things that you do to sort of, like, you know, give yourself chances to win in a situation where, like, you know, you might be on one-on-three kind of virtually to begin with? Um, a, a lot of time I try to just give advice to what other people are doing. It might sometimes come off as backseat 
playing, but when the best I can, a lot of time I die first. That just seems to happen to me <laughs> a lot. And in, like it carries over to almost every board game, tabletop game right. I play where like you can target in those. And just the meta of my life is Alex is most likely going to – like people love beating me. Right. Like my girlfriend loves to beat me at right. things, which is great because I like playing games and so it motivates her. But on the other end, I just generally lose because I'll sit at a table, never played the game before in my life, and no matter what, I'm the first target to get knocked off the list. It's a sign of respect, but at the same time, it does can right. suck sometimes. Yeah, yeah. And, I, I've and, been the same way in different playgroups that I've I'm been. I'm not in. complaining because it means that you know I'm. It's my fault. I'm competitive. I'm good at these things, and I can't help it. But when it comes to so, I'll lose first, and then I'll be like, oh, okay, let me help you win, and then that person will be happier that I helped them win. So the next game, because normally there are more than one, mm-hmm. um, I'll be murdered less quickly, mm-hmm. and yeah. that slowly evolves to the point where you know eventually people realize that. A, some of the hype is bigger than the actual situation. I'm not as good as Craig says I am because I'm mm-hmm. not. I'm not. A, you can't just kill everybody if yeah. we right. review on turn three. You don't three, have the yeah. I win card. Right. I'm not going to sit right. at every table and just like touch it and it'll just, all the other decks will evaporate. <laughs> <laughs> I will just be standing there encased in gold. Uh, <laughs> wow. That's a pretty specific Dude, that's image. That's you thought about Midas that a right lot. There. That's um, the Midas touch. Or King Makar. I'm not that. I'm I'm a normal guy who plays Magic, but the other side is a lot of my friends who are competitive players dislike Commander, and the reason is because it's completely different mindset. Right, it's completely different because it is about the social. It's it is about realizing, you know, my future is not completely in my hands, and getting over that, and Mm -hmm. trying to see how is it. It's more like riding a river versus you know sitting in a pool. Right. It's like it's like I guess the, it's surfing versus just being in a pool where right. my future is not in my hands completely. The but I need moving. to I need to grab it and ride it. But to once where you I learn go. to surf, it is. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Exactly. So I mean, it's not a hundred percent, but right. But not, you know. not, I mean, even the pool is not hundred percent. Yeah. You can yeah. drown. That right. happens. It's sure. very sad. You know. Right. And and the best surfers have had buddy. accidents. But in general, <laughs> once you learn to surf. Yeah. Right. Then you can you control can, it you and learn, go where you want to yeah. go. And once you learn I, I to swim. Ride the emotions. For instance, with the game that Craig first attacked Jimmy yes. viciously, I was the original target. Yep. But I realized, no, 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 Craig likes, A, would rather be my teammate than not. B, I purposely built my deck to be 50, be, have 50 cards versus the minimum, because I knew that in that meta, which is back to meta, milling was often a problem. People yeah. would die because they would have not enough cards in their deck because 40-card decks aren't made to play in multiplayer. Right, because the games game, last yeah. so long that Correct. they just, like, I have milled myself out just by playing the game. No, like, mill cards involved, right. which is the reason Craig went for the, right. as, a, as yeah. a viable option. And so I was like, I'm going to be hard to do this too. I have a mill card myself, and we can work together to double mill everyone, making it so, because... For those who don't know, milling is also hard because you can really only do it one player. Yeah, right. It's not like once you mill, it's someone, not good in multiplayer. Because, right, because you're yeah. you're you run out like, of gas. at best you can kill just Jimmy. Then you're stuck with no cards in hand, all your mill cards in the graveyard. You don't and have any they creatures. They have a bunch of creatures because you, you aren't killing them. Yeah. yeah, and so I was able to you know not necessarily manipulate but work with Craig to kind of figure out a way to kind of beat play the table right. and that's what you kind of have to learn to do but it's mm-hmm. being good at negotiations it's being right. good at reading exactly. people it's being yeah. good at manipulating people i mean manipulation sounds bad but i mean right. you're in a game where it's really about manipulation it's more yeah. about that than it is about like it's really more than right. about your cards a lot of times even if you come to the table with a not great deck for instance this card here well this is a conspiracy card but this card that i'm holding is scourge of the throne right yeah. and 
it's kind of the exact type of card that would come out in a Commander Precon, right. which is big, flashy effect, not expensive because it's never going to see major play in any competitive format where you right. need four of them. So, you know, a random kid might have this in a deck. But if I played this, I win. That's what this card says. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so, you know, it, being good at EDH has more to do with, you know, making sure you don't get a target painter on your face. And yeah. that's what the meta is. That's what right. Craig is now in a problem with. Because next time he sits down with Jimmy, oh, yeah. he is going to die quickly. So <laughs> Probably the next few times. Yeah, no. It, oh, it'll, yeah. It's now a thing. I'll make yeah. sure Craig knows and that. And I will make sure Jimmy never forgets it. Well, oh, and yes, because Because Jimmy is, you know, once you taste blood, it's... it's Yeah, it's yeah shark in the water. I'm yeah, ready to go. Just, he wants to keep going for it. It feels good. Craig. And here's the thing. Like, ultimately, the fact that Craig wanted you as a teammate is... It's so much better, right? If you're someone that people want to be like, either I attack you or I'm even happier because I'm not having to right. and you're, you're on my side, right? So you actually become a better ally than someone that's just a random Joe at the table. So be, having a reputation and working it correctly can be in your advantage more often than not. And the person that's teaming up with you may not even realize that they're empowering you right. in a very different way. Well, there's an argument to be made that, I mean, it's Joe and Austin. Those are the two right. people we're talking about where you either want to be the passive one. Mm-hmm. So the bad, not necessarily the bad player, but the, the guy who's just, not doing anything, just mm-hmm. getting ready to be slow and not showing people that, oh, I'm going to start doing well once you kill each other. Um, or you want to be the Joe, which is, I'm so good or I'm so dangerous that people would rather be my friend than pick a fight with me. Because mm-hmm. they know that if they pick a fight with me, I don't care. I don't care about winning. I care about destroying them. Yeah. And so it, it's real. Those are kind how of the I would spectrum. Have done Joe, because my response immediately in my mind is like it's it would have to become a battle of wills. Like I'm going to go at you because Every, otherwise you have control yeah, yeah, yeah. of me. So I'm going to go at you just because that's your philosophy, and I'm going to see if I can beat your philosophy down. I'll out meta your meta, right? <laughs> because I'll say as long as you play that way, I come at you every freaking time. But here's the and problem then, that happens. Are you ready to accept to lose every single match? I, I, just and, I would, and I would say yes, because he's he's willing to. And so the only way to beat him so that he doesn't have power over me is to show I'm a not conti- afraid. Yes, and, and, and at some point, one of us is going to have to blink. At some right. point, he's going to have to go, well, this philosophy makes it so that I basically lose every time. So does Josh, but Josh doesn't seem to care. And it's the same thing he's doing. Right. So – you know, but but otherwise, the the alternative is you go. Okay, well, I have to bow down to your philosophy and not mm-hmm. attack you. Right. But I can't do that. I couldn't. I don't well, think so I could ever do that. The, and here's the flaw with that is so. Say we're at the Craig. Craig has now come to play with us. Right. Mm-hmm. And you guys both look at him. We're like, okay, we're going at him. I'm gonna sit here. I'm not going at him. Ah. I, I think you got that wrong. Ding, ding, ding. Ding, ding, ding. When that Price happened, the first thing that happened to right. me okay, so in my brain was like, this is awesome position. for okay. me because yeah, Jimmy's yeah. going to go at Craig because Craig's he's mad go after about Jimmy that and he's going to win every game. Right. Exactly. But right. let's say that you had a similar thing happen to you and now we both had a shared vendetta against him. What would you do then, Alex? Uh, I would just do nothing. Yeah, of course. Yeah. I would draw lots of cards. I will look very – I will help all of you. Yeah. I will give Craig a wall once in a while if I, it's a possibility. I will counter a spell that you would cast right. that would hurt me – but would be hurting everyone, right. looking right. like the good guy. You would both waste all of your resources taking you Craig just clean on. Clean up when the dust settles. Be like, well, I can just kill both of you here. Oh look, I played a Eldrazi. Good game, guys. Nice. And you guys be like, uh, you guys heard right. of Annihilator? Right. Yeah, that's right. So okay, let's, well, ra- let's yeah, wrap let's up wrap the meta up. here. I, I would say that like 
healthy metas are healthy like yeah the, if they're evolving constantly that's healthy that's good like you know people in your play group that have different play styles those are good they push you into areas that you might not otherwise go you know again don't respond with anger or anything about a lot of these things like respond with like how do i build my deck or, or change my play style you know to sort of combat these things right. and you're gonna you're gonna like it a lot more than just immediately starting yeah. to whine about this things is, that happen the meta is a baby you know you're raising it together with your friends you decide if it learns bad habits early on you decide what sort of rules slowly get set and you're the ones that break it ultimately if you're going to destroy it but you can you know the meta is something that's evolving and you can steer it sometimes yeah well, th- you know that's that's something right. i think to keep in mind is like that's you know fun too. you can take a look you can take a step back and you can sort of evaluate your meta and you can go like oh this is what joe did Joe stepped back and he said, okay, right. well, I'm going to steer this meta and I'm going to steer it in this manner. Now, that, that's not the only way to steer it. Like, you can steer your meta towards, you know, more group huggy stuff. You can steer your meta towards, you know, more aggro. Build an aggro deck. Like, that'll steer your meta towards faster decks. Something. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah it'll, it will. They'll just have to respond. Yeah, so I, I, the meta is a fascinating discussion and this is one of so many different conversations we can go. And, of course, if you guys ever have anything that you want to hear more about or Maybe one of those like advice columns. Something happened. You didn't know how to respond, or just something happened. You know, we're all here to talk about it, and it's. I think it's a great chance to discuss just stuff that comes up. Yeah, email us, type us some tweets on the tweeters. Yeah, it's all there. Hit us up what, on the twitters. What's your Twitter, Jimmy? My Twitter is at jfwong. It's like your name. It is my name, With James like, Franklin Wong. That must be some kind of coincidence. Yeah, right. I, I don't know how that happened. I kind of <laughs> stum- you should contact I Twitter because <laughs> they might know you. A I, I kind of stumbled into it. Of, the show's uh, is, is at CommandCast, and Josh is at Josh Lee Kwai. Yeah, and, and you got a Twitter? I do. I got one of those things. It's there's not many follow. I'm at Kess Wiley. Kess Wiley. Uh, compared to Jimmy, none of us have a lot of followers. <laughs> he has an official Twitter. He's I do. Got I have that a little, little blue check, check mark thing. blue. Yeah, it That's makes like lifetime you know, achievement award. At the end of the day, even if I get milled out, I can just show that to Craig and be like, look, <laughs> look, I am see? verified see? on See Twitter. how he's just constantly thinking about getting milled out? <laughs> it's like on his mind <laughs> constantly. Oh, I yeah, cannot exactly. wait to I, I cannot wait to leverage that. All right, moving on. We have our commander spotlight. Today we're going to be talking about Jaleva, Nefalia's Scourge, She's or... A- a hell of a Nefalia scourge. She's a hell of a card. Jaleva card. Uh, yep, I'm sure you all get that joke. So I'll just yeah. move on. She's from Commander 2013. Um, the Mind deck. The expensive she, one. The expensive yep. one. Well, until until nemesis. they overprinted it, and now yes, it's on just purpose. Yeah. The same price, which yeah. is good for everyone. Yes. Thank you, Wizards. So she costs one, and Grixis. Grixis is black, red, and blue. So four mana total. She's a legendary creature, For vampire now. wizard, a flying 1-3. It says, when Jaleva, or Heleva, as <laughs> Kessler likes to call her, when Jaleva, Nefalia Scourge, enters the battlefield, each player exiles the top X cards of his or her library, where X is the amount of mana spent to cast Jaleva. So the first time you cast her out, she costs four mana, four mana. and yeah. you will ex- everybody, every player at the table will exile the top four cards of the library. If she's died before, she'll then cost two X. Ex- Two extra, so that's six total. So the second time you bring her out, everybody exiles the top six cards of the library. So then you have access to those cards for their next text, which says, whenever Jaleva attacks, you may cast an instant or sorcery card exiled with it without paying its mana cost. So what this basically means is Jaleva, you turn her sideways, you declare your attack, and then you look at all those cards that were exiled by all the players at the table. So let's say it's the first time you cast her, and you're playing with five people, that'll be a That'll be 20 cards that were yep. exiled. Now, only the instants and sorceries among those cards matter. That's a hell of a lot of cards. That's a- 
It's a hell of a good ability. It's a hell of an ability. <laughs> and you look at the instant. He's been looking at me for like the last 30 <laughs> seconds while I was talking. And I was like, he's going to say something. He's perfect He's been saving timing. it up. Just fit, oh, uh, it so you look at the 20 cards. You pull out the instants and sorceries. It can be yours or it can or be somebody else's. else's. And then you get to cast one of the instants or sorceries for free. Historically throughout Magic's, you know, since Magic's been around, cards that cheat other effects without paying mana cost, like by, <coughs> bypass the mana cost, are powerful, powerful. effects. Free things are good. That's why those, I go to Costco. Yeah, those exactly. are things that you can abuse, you know, that you, that you can really abuse right. uh, in, in any form of magic is just the ability to cheat the mana cost of a card. So um, let's talk about her mechanics. When you when you play the card, the um, whether it's somebody else's or yours, the card that you get to play for free, uh, it is cast as normal. It goes to the graveyard as normal. Mm -hmm. uh, if it's somebody else's, it would go to their graveyard, obviously. If it's yours, it would go to your graveyard. Uh, or if the card itself says it doesn't go to the graveyard, it goes somewhere else, then it would go there. But yeah. it's not like it the card. It resolves as normal. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, it can, it can be, be countered. countered. Yeah, it's cast. So you can counter the spell just as if it were cast. It's mm -hmm. just that it doesn't cost any mana. So that's a good way to sort of fight Jaleva if she's... Um, you know, if you can't stop her from attacking, which you should try to. Right. But if you can't, then, and you have a counter spell, then you can at least counter that big broken spell she's about to cast on turn five. Right. And the way to stop her before she casts the spell is they need to enter their attack phase and before they declare Jaleva as an attacker, because as soon as that happens, she can cast the spell. So you need to kill her before she's declared as an attacker. Another rules thing with her is when Jaleva exiles the cards, if she dies... Those exiled cards are just exiled for good. They are gone. And then when you recast her again and you flip over the new cards, you cards don't have good. access to the original yeah. cards. Gone They're just forever. gone forever. They're Jaleva in... is seen as a new version of herself, essentially. Right. So. so if you play her once, you exile four cards, somebody kills her. Then you play her again, you exile six cards. You don't have ten cards to look at from everybody. You only have the six that you just did. Flicker and Jaleva interact in an interesting way because Jaleva says however much mana she was cast for. So... If you flicker uh, her out and flicker her back in, she was now coming to the battlefield being cast for zero mana. Right, yeah. right. And she exiles no cards and has access to no cards. No cards. So a good um, thing to do if you're... Removal spell. Quote, yeah. quote, removal spell, yeah. No, there are quotes. Sorry. It's actually better than removing... Yeah, <laughs> it's actually better than removing her from the game because yeah. they can put her in the command zone cast her again. But if you flicker her out and she comes back in, she has access to no cards. It's kind of comparable to shuffling fire. effects. Where you, yeah, a tuck effect. Yeah, 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 a tuck effect where you get rid of her permanently because she's there very useless. doing nothing. Right. She could swing for one in the air, right? I mean, often if you do that, the Jaleva player will have to kill her themselves right? Yeah. so they can play her again. Or just like hope a board white happens yeah. at some point. Yeah. Or play their own. It sucks yeah, to exactly. have to kill your own creatures. I it's mean. like it's almost as though you just you shuffle the you shuffle the trash away. You, 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 all the stuff that she had, someone just hits the toilet, it's all gone. She has access to no stuff. She's just a 1-3 flyer with no text. You shouldn't put trash in the toilet. You clogs. should not put Don't cards do that. in the Don't. toilet. Yeah. No, yeah. It's garbage disposal or trash can. Yeah. Another interaction <laughs> um, is something like Quicksilver Amulet. Something that cheats Jaleva herself into play if she somehow got into your hand mm -hmm. um, is a Quicksilver Amulet just puts any creature card Right, right, play, right. But you did cost her for zero. Like, right, it doesn't. It's a, a non-bow, if you will. Yes, it doesn't exactly. work. So don't ever do that. Um, not that you would. I'm just saying, like any type of effect that cheats her mana cost, you don't actually want to right, do. Yeah. You want to be tapping mana for her, essentially. So Jimmy, given her mechanics, like, w you know, what's the goal of the deck? It's called high converted mana cost, and it's called big oh. instants and so well, big sorceries. Really, the, the 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 cards that cost ten, eleven, twelve, the ones that you can't just normally cast. Uh, in a game 
Jaleva can cheat them out early, and she can do with do so to drastic effect. So non essentially, spells. what non expels? Non expels. Because expels yes. also do not. That's work another. Yes, another oh, thing yeah, to clarify. Expels because you cannot pay the mana cost for them. They so those are work. those are cards with an X in their mana cost. Usually the X represents like some X. amount of yeah, damage like, or some amount of cards or some amount. Of, you just know. a number, like yeah. Heat Ray does X yep. damage plus one red, so it does X So red. X is actually zero when Jaleva casts a spell for free. Right. Yeah. yeah. So you're looking for those big spells, and uh, we have a we have a few of them sorted out here, but uh, one that actually came out in M15, In Garrick's Wake, comes to mind. Yeah, this... For cards you can get, like, your hands on. Yeah, like definitely. Tomorrow. You can get it right now. Yeah, this... Um, uh, this card in Garrick's Week is uh, seven and two black. It's a sorcery. It says, destroy all creatures you don't control and all planeswalkers you don't control. So it wipes the board except your stuff. Yeah. Yep. Sounds pretty good. Very hard to cast normally. Nine mana. A lot yeah. of stuff can happen before nine mana even gets there. I mean, if you've even got a modest board presence and you wipe everybody's stuff and you still have Jaleva and, like, two things, I mean, that's pretty good. Yeah. That's yeah. It's excellent. not like you right. win the game right there, but, you know. Right. So that's a card you can treat out, cheat out. Um, Kessler, I know you had. Yeah, you got you got a little list too. Or you've you've got um, some mechanics you like. Well, yeah, I, I I guess my point is I when I build a commander deck, I think it's always important to focus on. It's good that your deck functions great when your commander is around, but you know because of the format and the way it's built and the meta, so many people have cards that make it so your commander can never come back. Right. Tuck effects are very popular, as you guys said. Blinking mm-hmm. her makes her just basically unplayable. So there, you know, there are going to be times where. You know, you can't rely on her. So right. having effects like Suspend, which allows you to play very expensive cards. You have those expensive cards, but you also have an ability to kind of play it if you accidentally draw it into your hand. Or Miracle, where if you just happen to draw it, and because, you know, as we're going to talk soon, this is a mm-hmm. deck that has a lot of uh, deck manipulation, you're going to be able to set up times where you're going to be able to time walk, you know, for, you know, time walk mana instead of the full... Um, time walk gives you extra turns. Yeah, Time yeah. Walk is from Alpha. It's one of the power nine. It gives you an extra turn, and it costs one blue and a colorless. Uh, there is a card that miracles for an extra turn that costs seven normally, but you can, if you miracle it, which is if it's the first card drawn on your turn, you can cast it for a blue and a colorless, the Time Walk, which is arguably one of the nine most powerful ever created in Magic. Right. Yeah. So, And that's why cards traditionally that replicate Time Walk's effect now cost somewhere in the realm of seven to ten mana. Right. right. Uh, it's, yeah. it's, I, think, I think the fair value is five. Yeah, that's what uh, M twelve had time for two turns. It's time 12. warp was w- for five mana. Yeah, time warp yeah. was five mana. Time yeah. stretch does two extra turns, and right. it's, it's ten, ten mana. Ten, yeah, yeah. And these effects are super powerful with Jaleva, the extra right. turn ones, because what you get to do is attack with her again and cast another spell. Right. right. And if they couldn't stop free. you from attacking they her stop before, you the first time, yeah. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, exactly. So. Uh, let's talk about another big effect we might like. Rise of the Dark Realms. Now, this is definitely, this screams, Commander. Uh, and like I said before, any cards that say the word each and all when referring to opponents and things like graveyards and creatures, very powerful. Because when we're talking about many opponents, and that happens not very often in 1v1, because it doesn't, it's just one opponent, very often the Commander. So Rise of the Dark Realms is a black sorcery for 7 and 2 black. P- very simple. Put all creature cards from all graveyards onto the battlefield under your control. See ya. I'm actually going to maybe disagree with this one card. Ah, if I'm allowed that. to do that. Now, this is a very specific card. Because I know exactly what you're going to say. Because I know exactly, I, too. Go ahead. Uh, well, okay. They're reading my mind. Um, <laughs> yes, we did the stare at you. We because oftentimes cheating spells like this out into play is getting them earlier than they're actually useful. Actually, no. Though, yes, that is a, an issue. My point was that she, it actually works kind of counterintuitive to her ability because 
this functions better when there are effects that are getting as many creatures as possible in the graveyard. Right. And she actively prevents cards from going to the graveyard because she exiles them every time they come into play. Well, with that, uh, yeah, that's true. I mean, right. you're counting on other that's players true. to right, kill right. stuff. Well, you're so. also counting on this to be a late game play because this is not effective in turns one through five usually because there are not that many things that are hitting the graveyard either. But you're trying to cast it turn that's, five. Yeah, that right. would be my point is that right. you're trying to cheat out an effect that isn't actually powerful until the game's gone for a while because, right. yeah, but... It, like, if the other effects that I've noticed that these are kind of good on, theoretically, are, you know, the reason it's called Rise of the Dark Realms and Liliana is on the card is because it originally was her first card's yeah. ultimate. Mm-hmm. And on her, her actively is trying to discard, her plus She's is making discard. other people discard cards. So at, most likely they'll put some creatures in the graveyard. Um, the older ones, which is... Um, this would be good if you had milled, mill effects in your right, deck. You're right, milling right. other people. You know, if you yourself were doing graveyard recursion and dredging and, and making yourself, like, mill right. yourself, like, right. this is a thing where you want to set it up. And yeah. I would argue that this is actually uh, the toolbox function of Jaleva because she will die. People will block her to stop her from doing it again, or they'll find some way. I mean, uh, blocking her and stopping her from being cast, let's say you don't have enough mana, that's a good way to stop it. So you're going to be – there is a chance you'll be casting her later in the game too. And at a certain point, you – I mean, if you haven't won by then, cards like this can sometimes help seal a victory because you're essentially trying to find, okay, let me look around. All right, there's a lot of cards in the graveyard. I'm going to tutor for this. I'm going to get this specific card because this mm-hmm. is the most efficient way to just murder everyone. Because, look, he's playing a Kiki-Jiki deck. All its creatures have entered the battlefield effects. Awesome, right? So this is one of the cards in one of those cases. Obviously, a turn five card, not so hot, right? Because not nothing's going to be sitting in the graveyard. That's why Jaleva has access to... Pretty much all the best sorceries. I mean, if you if you did in Garrick's Wake the turn before, it might not be so bad. Like, yeah, in Wake is get to take it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, here's the point about these big effects: is like you want to find sort of the biggest, best ones that you know you think are going to be good in the deck. Right, right, like, right. Yeah, there's go- there's a ton of them. Magic just like because there's a lot of like big splashy right. game swinging effects that just aren't useful in other formats. Yeah, and this is the place. Like, this is a fun type of deck to play because this is the place to pull out all that stuff. Right, right. That big, flashy, awesome, like, 10 mana costing stuff that you just <laughs> never get to play. And here yeah. you are, and you can cheat it in. Well, I, th- I think, actually, I mean, I think that's one of the reasons that time walk effects are so good. Mm-hmm. Because if you get them off, you get them off. Yeah. Where, like, if you, you know, early game you might get Rise of the Dark Realms, but it might not do anything. Mm-hmm. But you only get four cards from your deck. So you only get chance- four chances to hit great cards. And mm-hmm. if, you know, you're playing the normal third of lands, that's really a 60% chance of hitting a great card mm-hmm. and versus time walk where no matter what time walk is going to be relevant because you're going to get to attack again or you're going to get yeah, to play right. spells in your hand or you're going to get to do something something that's semi-situational like rise of the dark realms which later game will be d- devastating yeah um that point of the game could theoretically be more of just a oh it didn't do anything or I yeah. got like three creatures in play that didn't like oh, early game yeah. creatures. Well, and you, to be honest, just casting hard casting in a commander game isn't the worst thing either. True, if true, it's true, in true, your true, hand, true. You know? Well, and also Jaleva gives you this opportunity that like almost no deck can do, which is like you can cast Rise of the Dark Realms and Time Warp on the same turn, and then you raise yes. everything from turn. Yes. Right. Uh, no, no, no. Quotes. I mean, you cast Rise of the Dark Realms, attack with Jaleva. Oh, and get the time, time warp from Jaleva. Now, all of a sudden, it's all not just that you rose everything stuff from the graveyard. They all, they all have haste. Yeah. Right, right. You know? And rock. everybody's still tapped out from They didn't get to prepare for it at all. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So that that's sort of an effect that, like, if you get late, you can use it in sort of even more broken ways because you can stack up yeah. an effect maybe where you wouldn't be able to. So uh, I, think, I think that's a powerful thing. You know, something you said 
which is like you only have a certain chance to draw the right thing off the top of your deck mm-hmm. is another really important part of this deck yeah. and and this gets Probably a little the most pri- important part. Yeah, this stuff gets a little pricey. It's the stuff that fixes the top of your deck because this effect uh, is just very powerful and used in a lot of situations. So these cards just tend to be in high demand. But cards like um, cards like Sensei's Divining Top. It's <laughs> this is just most. an awesome card. It's it's an artifact. It costs it costs one. It has two uh, effects. It says pay one. Look at the top three cards of your library, then put them back in any order. And then the uh, second ability is you can tap the divining top and draw a card, then put Sensei's divining top on top of its owner's library. So this allows you to sort of see what's there and Reorganize reorder it. in right. a way that you want so that you know, like, oh, I'm going to get... Because you can't count on the other decks even having a big source or your instant. Yeah, right. You know, other people's you decks. never should count on that. Yeah, you can't. Like, often nobody's running a big high casting cost instant or sorcery all at all. Or yeah. Yeah. all yeah. Exactly. Uh, I would argue, though, also with this card, not on the subject, that this is on my list of five cards that should be in every EDH yeah, deck, period. It's, it's awesome. It's, 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 it's very versatile. It makes it so... I will keep a one land, one di- divining top yeah, in my you can hand just dig for time. the land. Right, because yeah. it, it, it makes it so that the rest of the game goes smoothly, and mm-hmm. you always get... Uh, it's really... It draws you three cards every turn. But in this deck, it serves dual purpose because as it helps card you. selection, and yeah. also it can tell you, like, oh, I can cast Jaleva now because I know if I get to attack with her right. next mm-hmm. turn, I'm going to get some huge effect from it. Right, right, yeah, I'm right. not just, like, spinning, you know... The, I'm just not, not just rolling the dice and hoping or, that the percentages come out in my favor. Yeah. Or, oh, I have Rise of the Dark Realms on the top of my deck. I, I don't want to draw this card, so I'm just going to keep consistently putting it yeah, on the, the, bottom. The, the the last yeah, exactly. third until I cast Haleva and until I'm ready to go out with it. Because yeah. then it's... You know, it makes it so you don't spend your turn getting some of these big cards you're not ready for yet. Right. Yeah, and if you do get those big cards, the perfect card to put them back is one called Scroll Rack, which is a two-drop artifact, and it has an ability tap one or pay one mana and tap it. Choose any number of cards in your hand and put set those cards aside. Put an equal number of cards from the top of your library into your hand and put the cards set aside in this way on top of your library in any order. So you can essentially, if you had a seven-card hand, you could tap this and you could draw a brand new seven cards and decide exactly what order you're going to draw your previous seven cards in. This combined with the top is insane because you, you let's say like it's turn three and you want to cast your on turn four. You don't have any haste effects and you want to swing on turn five. You have these three big sorceries in your hand. You're know, like crap. I want Jaleve to have access to these. So you essentially you scroll rock, throw them on the bottom, and let's say you draw one. And you're like, perfect. I'm going to cast Jaleva. I'm going to draw another card next turn. And I know that those cards are sitting there perfectly w- ready and waiting to go. If something happens, you can use a top to reorganize those cards over and over again. But the nice thing is that you get to essentially fix the... You can. I've fixed the perfect four for Jaleva before. I've, I've cast... Like, I put Jaleva out and everyone groaned because the top four cards were like Extra Turns, uh, Rise of the Dark Realms, and Insurrection. Just like... And I had a sack outlet. So I could guarantee that I was just going to get everything. And it was pretty amazing. So scroll rack. So scroll rack is the thing is one of the things that really lets you like stack your deck. You yeah, know, it right. lets you put cards from your hand well, down into the deck, so J- so Jaleva can have access to them. I mean, I would argue that one of the biggest flaws of this deck is the fact that you can end up with opening hands that are like land, land, seven drop, seven drop, ten drop, ten drop. Right. Seven yeah. Drop. Exactly. <laughs> and it's like, well, I can't do anything. Right. <laughs> um, which. To the I guess the third one, and I'm gonna get it because yeah, you guys you got are. the last two. Is Jace, one of the most famous, cards. the most yeah. famous ones. Jace the Mind Sculptor. Um, if you guys don't know, he's a Planeswalker. Nice. He is the first, and now there are now two. Two, yeah. Uh, Planeswalkers, one of only two that have four abilities. 
Um, he cost four to play. He was two blue, two colorless. He was banned in standard, and he's the first card banned in standard in over ten years at that point. His abilities are plus two. Uh, you get to fate seal someone, which means that you look at the top card of either your library or that library and get to decide where it goes, mm-hmm. which is great with her. Mm-hmm. Because if you know you know, you play him, you need a plus to make sure he's protected, and then you get to be like, oh, this top card is going to be something I want to hell of a into play. This is a hell of a card I want to put into play. <laughs> so you keep it there. You know, his next ability, which is really the important one, is Brainstorm. Yeah. Um, and if you yeah. guys don't know what Brainstorm is, it's the fourth card that is actually not on our table that I think you should also include in this deck. And I normally would say it's not very good in EDH, but in this type of deck, it's very strong. That's perfect for this deck. Um, is one blue, draw three cards, put two cards on the back top of your library. Yep. It's an instant. From your hand. From your hand. From yeah. your hand. So it allows you to take the, those ten drops that you drew in your opening hand and put them onto the deck where... Right. And hopefully you have a way to shuffle your deck yeah. so you right. can, you know. And then his last two, his last next ability is he bounces a creature, a creature, and then the last ability is you win. I'm not going to really explain how it works because yeah. it's long and complicated. But really but the reason you want him in the deck is really the brainstorm. The brainstorm. Yeah. Right, Repeatable right. brainstorm effect. Right. Very powerful. There's actually, there's more cards that sort of fix the top of your deck. Uh, we don't want to talk about all of them. But right, yeah. we're going to go yeah. You know, Limdol's Vault and s- right, some right. Other These are the most like famous. Yes, yeah. exactly. Um, there's and a few green ones that is You irrelevant. want a lot <laughs> yeah. of those effects. You want a lot of those effects. Uh, right. You don't want 50 of those effects, but you want, you know. Yeah. You want to consistently draw at least one of them. The deck really relies on being able to stack its top so that when you play Jaleva, you know I'm going to get these powerful effects. Uh, okay, another thing to, uh, of course, talk about is j- having Jaleva is nice, and having Jaleva out and not being able to protect her or having everyone look at her and be like, well, she's swinging next turn, and she's going to cast one of those massive spells, is, massive spells is not a good thing. So you want to run some very basic cards that are also EDH stables like Swift Foot Boots. You want to make her... You want to give her haste. Yeah, you want to give her haste, and you want to give her protection because yeah, she's right. going to get targeted, and ultimately you should be the one that decides when she goes away so you can cast her again. I'd say the three things you want, and you want them in this order, are haste, hexproof, or shroud, and unblockable. So the yeah. most important thing is that when you play her, you can immediately attack with her because you'll be able to find openings where people are tapped out or whatever to use that effect. And... It, once people know this deck, they're not going to allow her to live because they know, like, hey, there's some ten cost sorcery that's going to come out of this yeah. if I don't stop her from if I don't kill her right, right now. So haste being the most important, hexproof being the second most because if they kill her, you don't get any effect. Or and for then, those who for older cards, shroud, shroud, shroud. Yeah, shroud. So whisper silk cloak, which gives it shroud, shroud mm-hmm. and, unblockable. and unblockable, is very powerful, would, but it doesn't give it haste. Right. You know. So swift foot boots is kind of the classic. Or, Every, or everybody has access to it Lightning now. Greaves is yeah. really Greaves, the, yeah, the, that's the, the pimpin' one. I mean, and to add to that list of artifacts that you should have in every EH deck, Lightning Greaves is one of them. Almost yeah. all of them. Yeah, the only one... Just be, the ones that rely on their commander are always going to want that because you want to... Right. Because we've talked about this in the past. Like, commander is often about all of the sudden, from nowhere, bursting forward right. before anybody can answer you and having some big impact on the game. You know, and that's why... It gives you that lightning right. greaves. Gives I mean, you that. Mind you, my best deck doesn't have it in the deck. Yeah, yeah, but, but that's yeah. because it's Geist of Saint Traft, and he has hexproof already. So right, when you say right. every deck, you just mean most decks. But yeah. right. But again, commander is about that, and this deck specifically is one of those decks that's about like get your commander out, use him right away, have some right. big effect, and sometimes just win right there. And I would even maybe not put as much of an emphasis on unblockability because if you're you can find somebody. There's if you're playing in a five person game, which yeah. generally you want to be doing, mm-hmm. especially with this deck, because that's twenty cards versus ten cards. Yeah. 
there's, there's going to be someone at the table that is either weak to flying, weak to flying, doesn't have any blockers, or you know, is your friend. You're like, hey, I'm going to attack you with her. You're going to take so one, one damage, but I'm not. I'm going to play, you know, in Garrick's wake, and you know, you have no creatures, so who cares? You want yeah. that to happen. Right. That's good for exactly. you. Exactly. Like, you're right. I won't remove your creature, but shroud, making it so people can't kill it, and haste. So you. Yeah, that's just, why I said in that yeah. order. Yeah, I think yeah, yeah. Haste mode being most important. Shroud or hexproof being second most important, and then if you can, unblockability is right. great. You yeah. don't. You don't absolutely. <laughs> oh, need I, was, it. I was thinking, you know, indestructibility would be something I might think excellent. about putting yeah. up there because it's with, a similar to it's similar to hexproof and shroud, and yeah. like really the two important things are protecting it and being as explosive as possible. So haste and protection, right? Some kind. Where unblockability, she's she has flying. There are these abilities that she. There will some be some it. percentage of time where you get her out, and if she's not unblockable, you can't attack safely with her. And but, but you can still use her. You can still right. attack I'd rather, and use one spell. Yeah. I'd rather attack and get one little, uh, yeah. Rise of the Dark Realms and just win. It's true. <laughs> yeah, than, it's true. Than not. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Um, okay, so, yeah, this goes towards what some stuff we've already talked about. But, yeah, we've talked in the past, like, you don't want to build uh, commander decks in general that rely so heavily on their commander that they just have no chance to win if the commander is not out. Right. And so what you are looking for is is effects that are similar to what the commander has that you're building your deck around. And so the effect we're going for here in general is cheating out big spells, like yeah, bypassing right. the mana cost inherent in like 10 casting cost spells. So, you know, here here's where um, you were going to talk about Joyra a little bit. Yeah, let me, let me uh, read her off first. So Joyra, originally printed in Future Sight, is a... Uh, one blue and a red Jora of the Gitu, three total CMC, a legendary creature, human wizard, and she's a 2-2, and you can pay two colorless mana, remove a non-land card in your hand from the game, put four time counters on the removed card. If it doesn't have suspend, it gains suspend. And suspend is, at the beginning of your upkeep, remove a time counter from that card. When the last is removed, you play it without paying its mana cost. If it's a creature, it has haste. So this is a little bit complicated, but to simplify it, you basically you basically put something aside for four turns, and then it comes out for free. Yeah, you're paying time In, instead of mana. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. you say, here's a 10 casting cost thing. I'm going to suspend it, and then in four turns, it's going to come out for free. So... So inevitably, it is going to come out. It's right. It can uh, be countered at that point. Right. It's like you cast it. If it's a creature, like you said, it has haste, which is super powerful, actually. Right. And um, suspend it, kind of less relevant to right to this, to this specific specific yeah. yeah. But suspend has just traditionally been like super super powerful. It just right. allows you to do broken the good things suspend cards games. are very very good. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. So there's a card that allows you to cheat out huge spells. I mean, they're going to sort of see it coming, but sometimes it just doesn't matter. Like yeah. right, it allows you to stack effects. So it, on one turn, you know, you might three have things. three huge spells right, right. coming out that you know n- you never would ever be able to to, uh, to get out in in normal terms. Right, and then I mean, there's some cuter things you can do with Helva and this ability. So um, ancestral visions, which is a it's a it's a playoff of ancestral recall, recall right. uh, which one another blue. power nine, one blue, draw three cards, instant. Mm-hmm. Um, it's so a suspend, suspend card for four or for no. It's one. zero. Oh, suspend zero for four turns. It. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. you suspend it for one, and then it's suspended for four turns. But with Helleva, <laughs> <laughs> she'll <laughs> she'll let you draw a hell of a lot of cards. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, it draws you three cards so after the four turns. You'll be you know even though it's not a ridiculously expensive spell, it's right. still a time spell. So you get to cheat that time effect. So right. maybe you get you, to just act, yeah. Right, but it also lets you cast it for one on turn one. So right. you can guarantee in four turns I'm going to draw four cards. So it's still versatile while you're playing it as like a regular card. Yeah. But sometimes you just get to do ridiculous things like cheat it in the play. Yeah, exactly. And, and just knowing that like, okay, cool, by the time I've, maybe I'll play my fourth land drop, I'm just going to get a brand new three cards. Right. 
and right, I didn't right. need to spend a thing on it. It took me one card for three. Well, that's a great deal. Right. Yeah, it's just value. All and and I would argue that it's not necessarily made for every EDH deck, no, but I think in this situation with this commander, it's mm-hmm. very strong. Yeah. Another card that cheats uh, big spells in play is called Galvanoth. It's uh, three and two red. It's a three three creature. That's not that important. Uh, it says at the beginning of your upkeep, you may look at the top card of your library. If it's an instant or sorcery card, you may cast it without paying its mana cost. So it's basically the exact same as Jaleva, except mm-hmm. for that um, it happens at the beginning of your upkeep. You don't have to attack with this guy, and right. it's only the top one card. But you've yeah. already got a bunch of stuff that puts stuff on, uh, that stacks oh, yeah. the top of your deck. So this can really be basically a virtual Jaleva effect. Yeah, for one each time, which some people might even argue is somewhat more powerful than Jaleva in some ways. But it is it is based on the upkeep. It is based when when you don't get to choose when it happens. Another card that you kind of do get to choose when it happens is Jin of Wishes, uh, which he comes into the battlefield with three wish counters on it. And his important abilities is two and two blue for four total. Remove a wish counter from Jin of Wishes. Reveal the top card of your library. You can play that card without paying its mana cost if you don't exile it. So it's the same thing, but you can do this at instant speed if you have the, if you have the mana up. But still, like paying four for something that costs ten, or just at the beginning of your upkeep, knowing that like cool, right before my upkeep, I uh, sense divine. No, right before my upkeep, I scroll wreck and put this single card on the top of my library. And if no one can do anything about it, then boom! Right then, if you have essentially fixed your deck to blast off with Galanoth. I have one card. It's kind of a pet favorite of mine, and, Ooh, I, nice. and and because red is normally not so strong, and because of this specific effect, it's normally not played as heavily. Uh-huh. Uh, it's a card called Heretic's Punishment. I'm just going to read it because yeah. otherwise. So it's one red, four colorless. It's an enchantment, uh, and for one red, three colorless, you can choose target creature or player, then put the top three cards of your library into your graveyard. Heretic's Punishment then deals damage to that creature or player equal to the highest converted mana cost among those cards. Uh, so you ah. can turn these converted it, mana costs into, into like ridiculous amounts of damage. Yeah. So you just, you know, you put in the play, you play four, you pick which, you know, one of those high costing cards that you're already putting in your deck because it works with that, and you can pretty much kill anything. Yeah. Or you can kill your opponents. Because. Right, exactly. You got you the opportunity to do. Move. I mean, with Lilith, it's great to take Dark an Realms, extra turn to kill him, but it's also if that just card will just literally do right. ten damage. I guess to just a face nine to a face. There's yeah. a lot of players that you know just do their own other and other players doing mm-hmm. stuff. They're just low at that point, anyways. Yeah. This reminds me that's, of a card that's similar along similar lines. It's called Time Sifter, and what it says is, uh, it's an artifact for five, and it says at the beginning of each player's upkeep, each player removes the top card of his or her library from the game. The player who removed the card with the highest converted mana cost takes an extra turn after this one. If two or more players are tied, the tied players repeat the process until the tie is broken. But here's the point. You're setting the top of your deck. You have a lot of ways to set the top of your deck. Yeah, right. You have a lot of really high casting cost stuff. Right. If you do this right, you can basically lock the game down where you're taking every turn. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It, it, this it, plus top, you win. Kind of, yeah. yeah. I mean, <laughs> if you have one thing that can freely attack or right. one way to do repetitive damage, you're just going to be like, I take the next turn. I take the next turn. Right. I take the next turn. I yeah. take the next turn. And every turn you're doing... You know, crazy broken stuff anyway. Yeah. Like, you're going to win that game. You right. have a high, much higher chance than everyone else at the board of having the most expensive cards. Yeah. You know, you reveal a 10 cost time stretch. Hey, guess what? It says take two extra turns, and let's say Jaleva's just gone. She's in the middle of your deck. At least you got to cast it for free now, right? right. <laughs> <laughs> you take one turn, but hey, that's better than no turns at all. Or no extra turns, if that makes sense. So. Uh, something I want to say about this deck is like tutors in this deck. Like we we've talked about tutors and how they're better when they say in general they're better when they say put that card in your hand. Your hand and, yeah, right. yeah. In Vampire this deck, tutor. actually, they can be a lot better when they say put card on top of your deck. You know, mystical tutor lets you go find a sorcery and put it on top of your deck. Which normally I want that card in my hand, and so that's a right. little bit of a downside. Not in this deck. I actually want to put it on the top of the deck anyway, and then yeah. I'm gonna right. I'm gonna use it with Galvanoff, or I'm gonna use it with Jaleva, or whatever I'm gonna do. Like I actually just stack the top of my deck again. Um, 
Liliana Vess, another good card that basically gives you. Yeah. Oh, Lil- no, no, the vest. Liliana oh, the vest. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Liliana Vest, who basically Vamp- comes in and her negative ability is basically uh-huh. Vampire Tutor. Which yeah. is you get to search for any card, you lose a life, and you well, you get to search for any card and put it on top of your deck. Right. You, you don't actually. Yeah, you don't lose the, the life. Yes. The life. Yeah. So that card always good, but even better in this deck because right. you actually want it on the top of your deck it's rather biggest than biggest weakness is now a strength. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. exactly. Uh, and another thing, of course, is recurrence. So you will be casting these big spells, and it's fun to have just a couple of options in there to be able to do it again. Uh, I think Snapcaster Mage is one of the most famous cards for definitely doing this. It could be like the oh dang, if only I had another this. You know, oh this guy blew up. He he went infinite or almost infinite over here. I needed to play this again. It's like, well, I do have some options. It's later in the game. Snapcaster Mage or a card like Spell Twine or a card like um Drownu, Lord of Lich, lets you go back and recur those cards once. It's as though they have flashback. But those aren't spells. Those aren't spells. No. Spell twine is. Spell twine. Oh, is. Spell twine's a spell. Yeah, spell yeah. twine you could actually pro <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna say proc, but spell twine you could actually use with Jaleva's ability to get a card in the graveyard to cast for free. Right, yeah, right. Exactly. So it's like spell twine does everything you want in general. It's just a recurrent ability also. But it's Spell Twine's not great if you haven't cast one of your big spells yet. Right. So right, right. it's not perfect, but you know you can afford to have one or two effects like that in the deck. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, let's talk about. Uh, we're not going to go. We all, we usually talk about card draw and ramp. Uh, yeah. We usually say deck specific things, but you're in blue. Card draw is not going to be a problem for you. Right. Yeah. And and ramp you in get general. Ancestral visions. Yeah. Ancestral vision. <laughs> and I think Sphinx. in general, like y- Jace. Jace. Yeah. <laughs> True. And I think yeah, you were already scroll rack. Scroll right. rack. Yeah. yeah. You. you, you and these are cards that are also card advantage doesn't matter. Yes, exactly. Yeah, because exactly. your deck is already kind of built to have the card advantage, and your general literally is a card advantage engine. And I think that in general, card advantage is like, hey, my card takes care of one of your cards, and it takes care of Well, you're playing all these cards that actually are worth like 15 cards when you play right. them. Like, how many cards yeah, is exactly. Insurrection worth? It's not one card. Right. Yeah, it's exactly. however many creatures you just stole. You just so, have to go off once with your general that you have access to. Yeah indefinitely so you can be down on card advantage and win the game with one card still so yeah. that's that's why you know card draw is not as big of a thing uh ramp it's going to be all the same stuff it's going to be gilded lotus it's going to be soul ring it's going to be thron dynamo though i do think you want something that kind i think this is a deck that functions a little bit better with non-artifact ramp cards cards that let you like spell ramp cards or more specifically like the pre-mentioned orborg plus cable mm-hmm, coffers right. because the one flaw of this deck, and the one thing you have to be aware of, is the less spells you have, the less often Helva gonna... gets a hell of a lot of cards in the exiles. Helva doesn't get to have a hell of a lot of fun if you have less spells. Yeah, you are That's working true. with That's a percentage point. here. Yeah, you're gonna have to. It's gonna skew more in the spell range than creature range. Um, that's why it's also important. This is a this is a political deck. This is a deck that you play in a group because one on one, this you're not going to do too well. I don't think if someone has any kind of speed against you or removal or countering, it's going to be very hard to to face that. But in a group setting with Jaleva, because a lot of these spells are very specific in what they do, it, this is your chance to really work your political skills because right. otherwise, you are going to get hate if you're just taking this out on everyone. I mean, this is a miracle type deck. This is one of those decks right. where like you, it looks like you don't have a lot going on and you've just got a swift foot boots out on the. And that's it. Right. And like all of a right. sudden, you go boom, play Jaleva, attack you. I play Time Stretch. Wake, all your creatures are yeah, dead. I, time yeah. tra- I play Time Stretch. On my first turn, I end Garrick's Wake. On my second turn, I, I, you know, Time Warp. Now on my third turn, I put Scourge of the Throne out. I put Haste on that. And then I attack you. And now on my fourth, and you're on your like your sixth combat phase. Yeah. Right. You know, and everybody's just blinking like, uh, you had a Swift Foot right. Boost on the table. <laughs> you know? That can happen with this deck. It's it's yeah. it's fun, but you know that's gonna it's it's one of those burst decks that just sort of comes out of nowhere, right? Which oh. speaking of meta, be careful of. Yeah, exactly. Yes. You want to 
almost lose on purpose with the deck maybe once or twice first. So they know hiding what you're doing. So like, oh, he's trying to do silly things. No, 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 no. I'm just biding my time. (laughs) (laughs) So let's talk about a couple cards that may not be the first thing you think of. Uh, Scourge of the Throne, we've mentioned. What it says is if you attack the player with the most life or tied for the most life, then you get to untap all your creatures and you get another combat phase after this one. This is a really obviously powerful Jaleva because getting to activate her twice means getting to, to... you you know cast like ten cast cost right. sorceries twice in a row, which is like, geez, if you do that once, you probably win. Like it's right. crazy if you cast right, right, insurrection yeah. followed by in the multiplayer you know, whatever ten casting cost sorceries right, you right. want to have like, two. You know, yeah. So that's a really powerful effect. Aggravated assault does almost the same thing. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's an enchantment. You pay mana. It gives you extra combat right. phases. Same thing. Um, another thing, fork. Oh, things I love like fork. twin cast. Right. Because you're casting these spells. Right, right. So all of a sudden you cast a time stretch, which gives you two extra turns, and then for two mana, you take four <laughs> you take two right. more extra right, turns. Right, right. You're casting so many giant spells that gain you so much value. And that's just your spells, not right. including if you get lucky and hit someone else's giant spell. Yeah. Twin and fork do a lot of really strong things. And I like twin things cast. like fork and twin cast because uh they can work in defense. Somebody tries to counter you. Okay, I was going to use that fork to, to, to fork my time stretch, but I'd rather just protect the first one and I'll counter their counter yeah, with right. fork. You know, and, and that's a really versatile card. So Yeah, especially it, in these colors, you have more counters. You have, like, the best red kind of counter, which is fork. You know, you get yeah. to turn it right back in itself. Uh, let's talk about some trap cards then, cards that may not be great in all situations, but you want to put in there because they got that high mana cost, and you're like, ooh, I like this ability, Insurrection. Uh, it's I think it's eight total. You just get to essentially steal everyone's creature for a turn. They gain haste, they untap, and you can you know, you know can do whatever you want with them. The only problem is that they go back at the end of the turn. It's basically so, like uh, we talk about threaten effects. Yeah. The threaten effect is anytime you steal somebody's creature, it gets haste, untap it. You've got it only for that turn. Right. right. Yeah. Insurrection is a threaten effect for every creature on the board. Which is amazing, Except which is kind of cool. Right. You know, it could, you could win the game with Insurrection, but you could also lose it if you don't have a way to deal with the creatures you steal. So one, one thing that, uh, uh, that I think is also important for this deck is a sack outlet. Both for Jaleva, when you're out of spells to cast, or she's been blinked and she needs to get cast again, and for threaten effects like this. So if you do run Insurrection, you steal everyone's creatures, you swing out like crazy, and then you sack all of them and cast spells because of your sack outlets, that's pretty strong too. The reason I would put this under trap card, and uh, it's the same reason I think Rise of the Dark Realms is a little bit iffy, is that it's not a card that you generally want to cheat out on turn five. Yeah. Like right. On turn five, how many creatures are on the board? It's gonna, not probably going to be enough to win. Right. You know, on turn 12, Insurrection is going to be a card that could often win you the game because you right. grab everybody's creatures and swing at everybody with their own stuff. But you can cast Insurrection on turn 12. You don't need Jaleva right. to cheat her out. Mm-hmm. So I don't know... It's 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 not necessarily a bad card. It can go in the deck. I just yeah. don't know deck specifically. It's situational. It's, yeah. you know, it depends on well, who's, think, who's playing what. I think classically Insurrection is a, if you're playing red, play this card. Yeah. And generally. And I mm-hmm. think this is one of the many, one of the few situations where that's not true here. Mm-hmm. That's, yeah. you, you know, if you have that extra slot, if you're like, well, you know, I think this in my deck will do something special, yes, go for it. But I think in this deck, it's not going to function as well as you'd like it to or as strong as in other places, so yeah. y- you will be doing better off if you have better expensive spells. There's another card. Uh, it's called Knowledge Exploitation. It's a seven-mana uh, tribal sorcery rogue. It's five and two blue. Um, it says, search target opponent's library for an instant or sorcery card. You may play that card without paying its mana cost, then that player shuffles his or her library. So this feels like it belongs in the deck because it's casting instants and sorceries for free. It's casting other people's instants and sorceries for free. Right. Yeah. But why aren't you just putting a card in your deck that you know is going to be huge? Yeah, exactly. Why are you putting in something where it's like, well, geez, I I hope Kessler's deck has like a really good, big, expensive sorcery. I mean- Here's a here's a little hint. Like not every deck has those. 
Right. Well, yeah. and you could just be playing Army of the Damned instead. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 13 tutus. Yeah, yeah. exactly. That like, will close you out just a lot of You games. know what that effect is every <laughs> right. time you yeah, play it. exactly. Whereas this effect is like hit or miss. It could be right. really super miss. It could be like, uh, yeah. I get to counter something. Like, it, it could be nothing. <laughs> Go ahead. So there's this mechanic from Kamigawa Block called Epic. And what it basically said is, I can no longer cast spells for the rest of the turn, but I get this effect every single upkeep forever. Is it rest of the game, you mean? For the rest of the game. Yeah, you can no longer cast spells for the rest of the game. It's, it was so magnificent that it's just going to echo. Right. It just, it, what, what they were actually trying to do at the time was create a legendary spell, was what the designers were trying to do. The problem is, is A, it shuts down your general forever, and B, this is the, the one I'm specifically pointing out called Internal Dominion, is the same effect. Mm-hmm. It's you search other people's stuff for stuff. Yeah, you get to do that every turn. Every turn. Yeah. So the issue, though, is you're hurting your own advantage, your mm-hmm. whole, the reason you built your deck, while also maybe getting something that's more subpar than the awesome stuff you already have. Right, right. So it's something, you know, anytime I have a chance to be like, oh, I could cheat an epic spell out, I've always wanted to do that. This is not a deck that is the best to do that with. Yeah, because you would want to do that in decks that uh, don't necessarily cast a ton of spells. Like, I have a deck that is all based on tap effects. Right. If my board's good, I might cast an epic spell because all my tap effects, they create my effects that I want. I'm not actually casting any more spells. I'm okay. Yeah. So, yeah, that's a really good Or, like, decks that, like, land is a a significant theme, which is how they get to the Mm -hmm. 10-drop epic spell. Yeah. Right, right, right. Okay, so um, let's talk about how do you fight this deck? Like, um, uh, Jimmy, you've had a lot of uh, opportunity playing as the deck, so you probably know, like, what sucks when you're playing it. Like, when you're playing this deck, what... If, what do people do that you're like crap it's definitely responses counter magic is so huge because it's like even though the spells you're casting are huge you're still casting them like normal and people can telegraph when you're going to do it for the most part and it's not hard for people to hold up a counter you know if they're like well look at that suite of four options he has depending on which one he casts i'm going to counter it mm-hmm. you could cast and you can even use that politically you know someone against you can start manipulating you saying like hey i can counter one of your spells if you don't cast that one if you do this and this for me i won't counter it and you know it's it's like you put yourself in this dangerous position where juleva or Helleva has all these <laughs> awesome things at her disposal. She's like sitting she's there. Helleva forever, by the way. She's got <laughs> rocket launchers and she's got all kinds yes. of weapons behind her, ready to fire. And everyone's looking at you and they're all like, "I'm just gonna close my boltproof door and I'm gonna be okay because I can counter." You know, so like people know it's coming, and so mm-hmm. removal is huge. Just straight exiling her. She comes into play. Ugh. Yeah, because there's going to be that moment you put her on, and then you're going to try and suit her up with whatever. Yeah. And that's that's the moment where the window of opportunity for anybody to just sort of supply shares or, or whatever. Path to exile or yeah. whatever. Yeah, just take her so, out. So, you know, and that's a good way to play against this deck. And we've talked about it many times, how instant speed, single target removal, like, it's just, you need some. You can't yeah. go overboard because it, it's card disadvantage, but you do need it. Because yeah, Jaleva will come down, and she will win the game sometimes immediately yeah. right from, and, and, through one attack and so if you don't have swords of plowshares and you're not ready yeah. to use it like you could just lose right there and that's right. your one instance your one ability to stop it is have a counter spell have swords of plowshares or a similar effect uh, i mean two things one i think the one of the problems with hell of a it's a hell of a problem it's never gonna get that. old and so yeah. every single person at the table as soon as they see oh they flip that over is just going to be like, okay, my removal spells are for that. Yep. Yeah. It, it doesn't matter what anyone else is doing. I'm just going to be like, I'm just going to consider all my, everything I have cast one extra white because I'm right. going to leave that open all the time right. just for yeah, her. Absolutely. Um, and then the other thing is cards like Spelljack have to be a hell of a problem. Oh, Spelljack <laughs> is definitely a problem. Because, you know, it's great that I'm casting my time stretch. 
right. for free right now. Oh wait, it's yours now. It's your oh, turn now. Sure. Oh, no. No. You take two that's a great meta turns. play if you play against a hell of a deck all the time. Uh, <laughs> a hell that's of a, deck, a meta play, you know, because <laughs> right. a lot of times that card is not great in your commander deck. Yeah. You just don't. Well, you, it's triple blue. It costs six. It's a counter spell. You have to. I mean, how often are you going to pay that much mana and get? How often are you going to leave six mana untapped? Yeah, and get equal value back. Right. You just, just not going to happen very but often. But if I'm like, oh, Jimmy has a hell of a deck that I'm going to have to deal with. Yeah, the Jimmy deal has a hell of a deck. A hell of a deck. <laughs> yeah. um, we talked about Flicker. Flicker's yeah, Flicker really is, great. Yeah. It totally hoses her because all of a sudden she's just a 1-3 flyer and yeah. with no text. And then they have to kill their own freaking commander. It's the worst position right. to be yeah. in. And the thing is, like, I found that, that playing Jaleva, you you got to be a hell of a gambler. You know what I mean? <laughs> right, right. Because you're putting cards out there. You're the one stacking your own top of your deck, and you're the one that's showing the world what your weapon arsenal is. This right. is like the Cold War, but now it's different because it's like, look, I have 70 nukes here, and they can fire here, here, and here. And and people are, will see it, and if they want to flicker your general or kill her, you lose access to those cards. See, I think this is, I think this is our third player archetype, to right. be totally honest. I think we have Joe, who we have Austin, and then we have Jimmy. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take and, Jimmy. And Jimmy just wants to watch the world burn. <laughs> yeah, Jimmy does really literally want to watch the world. He just wants to roll the, the He's a gambler. That's actually he comes Clint. to the table and is like, I'm mm. going to play this general. It's going to be kiki-jiki. And, and people are just going to know ahead of time that I'm a problem. And yeah. they're going to pay attention to me. And I'm just going to hope that I get in there. That I can, you know, I can tussle it out. There's the silent... And deadly. There's the silent and mysterious, and then there's the loud, and hopefully gets <laughs> deadly, it through. <laughs> yeah, hopefully deadly, right? Yeah, exactly. Loud. You're, and you're flooring dangerous. it from the get go because you're like, you know what? It's a race, and I, if I can win, then I I ran faster than everyone right. else. Right. Yeah, yeah. That's, I mean, Kalia is another general that's oh, like yes. this. Oh yeah, Kalia. You see um, her, and you know what's coming. Right. Kiki Jiki. I would argue that Gaddick Teague is actually a general like this, mm-hmm. where these are generals that a paint a giant target on your mm-hmm. your yeah. self. <laughs> yeah, on your uh, forehead. 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 <laughs> Giant target on your forehead. And they are among that are also very powerful. Yeah. So and that's know, the reason they paint the target. Right. So if, if I get Galactique out, you're not doing anything for us in the game. If you get Helva out, you're going to have a hell of a time beating me. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully. Hopefully. If I get, you know, Kali out and she attacks, same as as Jaleva. Helva. Helva. Stick with it. It's same Hellava. as Helva. Kalia. Both of them. If they attack... Good luck beating me. You yeah. don't have that sometimes, chance. And, and both those things say sometimes I only need to attack one time the whole game. Right. Sometimes if I attack, if I get one attack off, I'll win. Right. Yeah. And that's just super scary, which is why people are going to come at you. Because other commanders feel like, okay, they're going to do their thing, but they have to do it two or three times before I lose. You right. Know, these commanders yeah, feel like, exactly. I don't know. Sometimes they just do it once and I'm dead. I think an underrated thing would be artifact destruction in this deck because it's going to rely on those equipment mm-hmm. to make her. And, and, right. and, She's way, way less powerful if you put her out and she can't attack right now. Oh that means oh, every yeah. single player has a chance to kill her before he comes back around to you. O ring, tuck effect. A- yeah. Like when every a single player effect. has right has you know. sorcery speed removal yeah. available to them. The world is their oyster and you yeah. lost your oyster. And there's yeah. <laughs> and it's du- duplicate. I mean there's a million things right. that just, just hose her if, those are things that makes you have to cast it again. Yeah. yeah. Like if you're like there are so many things that can go wrong. Yeah. 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 So so d- artifact destruction actually pretty good in this deck because it relies heavily on that equipment. Yeah. Um, and Which, then another thing you should play with artifact destruction in your commander deck. Always, never forget command- and enchantment destruction. Yes, enchantment and artifact destruction or both. both. Yeah. Oh, oh my, my goodness. goodness, are you crazy? <laughs> yeah, Cars artifact destruction. I would put on a higher playing just, field yeah. than the enchantment destruction because Although sometimes every deck. I know. I'm, I'm not saying always. I just said if I had to rank right. them, artifact destruction. Well, I like mean, swift boot boosts or whatever is like. Every deck right. almost has well, it. I've named 
so far, I've named two. Um, there are two more that will eventually come. Soul Ring. Soul, yeah. Soul Ring is yeah. one of them. Yeah. Soul Ring. You know, every deck, there are like five artifacts that every deck has. Yeah. yeah. And there are some decks there that There aren't enchantments no... that every, because they're color based. Yeah. And yeah, they... it's kind of the Wizards of the Glorious Time about why the color pie is important, is because these cards. Want, you want variety, right. and there are cards that I said you should have in every one because every deck is better with Soul Ring in it. Right, every yeah. like if that's Black literally was, true. It Soul Ring literally, literally goes in every deck. <laughs> right, <laughs> like that's not that's a metaphor. Why it's in the pre like yeah. The yeah. reason there's in pre builds since it's been in the pre builds, you have it in every deck. Yep. Mm -hmm. Okay, so we know some of the stuff. Oh, we didn't talk about Tuck. Tuck always works on any, any deck general. that's based on that right. general. Well, oh, I would say the biggest weakness, and the reason we are talking about why Liliana the Veil vale is important, why Jior is important, mm -hmm. why ways to deal with the cards in your hand that are so bulky is because if you build this deck incorrectly, you're going to have a hell of a time playing it when she's no longer your BLS. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's she why gets... you need Joyra and you need right. Galvanoth and yeah. you need things where it's like, sometimes it's going to go wrong. They're going to tuck your your general. You need and... the other Liliana to get her back yep, if she right. gets tucked. But, yeah, yeah, well, yeah. luckily you're in black. I mean, you're going to have some tutors, right, but yeah. you know, it's it's just like everything else. Like It's going to set you back pretty long. And sometimes yeah. this deck, like if that sets you back three turns, well... You can't do anything right. else. Well, yeah. I'm actually very, very, very thankful that she is Grixis and not Bug. Right. Because it sounds mm. like she'd be nuts in green because you get – Green has – All after these fine blue creatures. Yeah. Is the most top of your deck yeah. searching, mm -hmm. you know, like top-like effects among the fact that just the ramp. Right. That oh, really yeah. the problem here – and what we were talking about is like the only things I could think of are mana rocks. Yep. Or – High tide. High tide, which isn't really good because you're not playing with many islands. While in green – you know, you get a Boundless Realms. <laughs> if you were able to get Boundless Realms for free, it would be all over. Yeah, because you just now you can just cast all now your you stuff. Cast everything. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, that's why she's not green. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, thank God. Exactly. Yeah, thank goodness. The, the lesson I've learned is that green is probably the second strongest, if not strongest, color in Commander. Blue uh, is the strongest. Blue is definitely up there. Just because Counterspell is an answer for everything. Yeah, but Ramp is an answer for winning. <laughs> yeah. I mean, ramp is, ramp is great, but you have those games where you get Ramp and you don't get the right. other stuff. Right, right. And Counter Magic is yeah. just always good. Like, you know, in general, it's just it's just like everybody else has to have a specific answer for a thing. We're going to talk right. about this on a future episode. Okay. I'll be yeah. I'll be there for that yeah. one. Okay. Next so, time you see me, which color is the best color? <laughs> oh, that's a great so, question. So in the next uh, section is like, okay, we know some of the stuff they're going to do to try and counter us, and you know, how do you go about countering their counters? We've talked about it. You have tutors for the tuck effects. You know, you. Um, have some uh, a counter magic of your own mm -hmm. is really strong. You know, if you think about it in this way, I'm going to attack with Jaleva. I'm going to play my spell for free, but actually there's a cost to my spell. You know, it's a 10 drop. My cost is to keep enough mana open for a counter magic. Yeah. You know, to and counter their counter, just to make sure that your, exactly. your things resolve. And if you have to counter their counter so that your time stretch resolves, you paid two mana or three mana to cast a 10 mana cost spell. That's mm -hmm. fine. And, you know, so, so so having counter magic in this deck, I think, is really important just to make sure you resolve. And now you get two more turns. They tap their magic, their mana, and use their counter spell. Your next two turns, you're in the clear. Right. Yeah. And I would actually, I'd say there are three three counter spells, and, and I'm going to talk about them in descending order of like how expensive they are, that are really important for this deck. Yeah. Okay. Um, one of them is Pact of Negation, which is the cheapest one. Yep. It costs zero, so you can counter, so you can play her, counter their answer. Even if you have no mana. And the next yeah. turn, you're going to have to tap out. Right. Yeah, but that's fine because you're attacking with her and you won. <laughs> right. Yeah. Or you have her. You have her with lightning greaves, mm -hmm. and she just you you like. Well, I'm gonna win this turn, so who cares if I have to spend mana? So right. you attack with her, you play with her, you and then you protect with that. It's yeah. an, it's basically a secondary lightning mm -hmm. greaves another mm -hmm. protection spell. Mm -hmm. 
Um, next is Cryptic Command. Mm -hmm. And the reason I like, and that's the next level expensive. Um, The reason I like Cryptic Command is actually because it isn't always a card, or it is only a counter spell. Yeah, yeah, it's versatile. You can tap down all their creatures. If you exile it with her, you can still use it versatility. You still get a card draw bounce or card draw top Mm -hmm. all their creatures. So it's not as... Restricted to just being a counter at instant speed. W- yeah, one of the problems is that if you exile a card with her, a counter spell, it becomes useless. Right. Mm-hmm. And Cryptic Command does not do right. that. Um, and then the last one is Force of Will. And it's the same reason Pact of Negation is good. And I don't even put Force of Will in any of my decks because it's too expensive. Yeah, right. And definitely. I'd rather. You're not actually playing with it, but you know what? Regular counter spell is fine. Right. Yeah. Oh, regular yeah. spell. You put right yeah. There. Regular yeah. counter spell, not expensive. Just take the place. You don't need Force of Will. I mean, it's great right. if you have it. Don't go right. out and buy it. It's not that Agreed. much better. Than for the just, price tag, yeah, and, it's it's just not. It's going to make your deck what 0.02 percent better. Right, right, right. Yeah, that's just yeah. not worth it for that price. Not well, in this format. As I said earlier, counterspell is the best card. Yeah, <laughs> it's why blue white's the best. That yeah. and wrath of god. Yeah, is all you need. Counter- <laughs> yeah. It's just one of the best cards in Magic. Right. It's just because nothing else really just it's single handedly answers it's anything. Right. Yeah. It's the blue defining card. Yeah. yeah. It's it's what red is to lightning bolt. Yeah. Blue is the counterspell. And would you rather a counterspell or a lightning bolt in almost every instance? Counterspell. Yeah. yeah. Especially in EDH. Except if they're at three. <laughs> <laughs> then you want both, right? <laughs> so yeah. this is a really fun deck. I mean, I've yeah. I've watched I've been killed by it quite a few times, so I know. But it's cool because when when you play it, you're getting to play all the big stuff that you don't get to play yeah. in any other format. And for the most part, a lot of these really big spells are not that expensive to buy and purchase because nope. they, don't they don't see any around. play in any other Because they're formats. not useful except in this deck yeah, and a couple exactly. other niche like uh, EDH decks. Right, yeah. I yeah. think they made a really good job designing this card. I, I think it, it brings out sort of the essence of, of multiplayer EDH and it brings out, it's very flavorful in terms yeah. of it being like this, this crazy wizard that's also a vampire that sucks the life out of things and sends them at you for free. Right. Well, and, and I mean, when it comes down to it, the cards that we said that were expensive because we definitely mentioned some mm-hmm. of the most expensive cards. Yeah, they're the did. stack the top right. of your deck cards. But yeah. they're cards that will forever in the history of Magic be very good and I would argue many of them are cards that won't ever go down in price because they're too strong to be reprinted too often. That's actually a really good point. So what you're saying is like they're good investments. Yeah, they're good investments. So like top, Jace, mm-hmm. these are mm-hmm. like top maybe not because I would be surprised if it wasn't in the next Commander Precon so hold on to that. Really? Oh yeah. I mean... Alex it, knows stuff, people. I, Alex I knows don't. stuff. He's the I'm oracle of Moldaya. <laughs> and when I say knows stuff, I mean he makes guesses. <laughs> make very, very, very on-the-wall guesses. Uh, but, like, Jace got reprinted just recently. Yeah. Yeah. Still holding relatively the same price. Yeah. Isn't going to be reprinted again anytime right. soon. Because yeah. unless they make him legal in modern and then need to force <laughs> him into people's hands, he's just going to go up from here. Yeah. You know, uh, Liliana the Veil, they had the opportunity. She was originally in M15. Mm-hmm. But they realized, oh, wait. Mono black control is the best deck in standard. We, we don't, don't want to make it better. Yeah. yeah, we don't want her back. Arguably, the so second best planeswalker to be. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, it doesn't see it, it. I don't see it, there being a high chance of her being reprinted anytime soon, unless she's in something like Modern Masters three. Mm-hmm. I, I don't mm-hmm. know if Modern Masters two is going to go all the way to Innistrad. Mm. Um, so these are you know ne- yes expensive, but they're safe bets and they're also EDH staples. Yeah, because of that, it's you know you're spending your money where it is going to gain value. Instead of, oh, I'm going to spend $50 on booster packs that... Yeah, right. The new Garrick. Like the new Garrick. Yeah. Because, well, well, for one, it's the start of the format. The price is only going to go down from here. It is, and we don't even know what decks he's usable in right now. And so there's a good chance he's just not usable in any eternal format, in which case the the value just plummets out of standards of rotation. Yeah, It mostly matters in (laughs) modern and legacy mostly matter for the long term of the card, right? Yeah. and, And what I would argue is... 
one of the great things about Commander and EDH is they allow you to kind of put your foot in the door yeah. in those formats yeah. with a much lower cost. Yeah. Mm -hmm. To get into Modern, to play Jund, I need to invest on four Lilianas, four Tarmogoyfs, four uh, crazy. Dark Confidants. Yeah, it's super which crazy. Is, that's, I just literally just said $1,000. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, to get in my EDH deck, if I need to get one Liliana and she's like 50 bucks, easy. Yeah. Not that hard. Not that hard. You know, Not the it's a little bit of a cost, but... You know, the rest of my deck, especially this one, which is yeah. great, is a bunch of giant creatures that are literally basically a dollar. Yeah, I, exactly. I, I spells, don't want people creatures. to think, though, like, hey, I can't build this deck unless I've got a bunch of $50. Oh, no, cards. No, you don't actually not. even That's need Liliana. Like, right, right. Yeah. like yeah. hey, she makes your deck better, but don't think, like, oh, I get Liliana and my deck's 50% better. It's not. It's one card out of 100. Like, there's right. cards for yeah. cheap right. that, yeah. that do 70% of what she does, and you, and you can use those cards. Like, there are cards that do 20% of what she does. Yeah. They're yeah. just completely playable. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. And so right. that's what I'm saying is, like, yeah, Jace... You know the mind sculptor. That's like one of the most famous cards in Magic. It's you know super expensive. Like you don't have to go get that right. card. Yeah, Brain right. Storm does right. what it yeah, does. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Brainstorm and Brainstorm yeah. is dirt cheap right now because yeah. it was in conspiracy. And as we said, oftentimes you only need to attack with Jaleva once. So it's great to be able to repeatedly brainstorm. Right, but. Hey, you don't need a it. brainstorm. Yeah, one brainstorm might do it for you. Right. So, yeah. and also the chances of Jace just getting struck off the planet of the Earth by someone attacking it next turn are pretty high. You know, yeah. he's he paints a target on his head, whereas brainstorm is just a single spell for much yeah, cheaper. I, mean, I guess my point was more that you don't need these cards, but if you were interested in starting to spend like these are anti, bad investments. This is yeah. a, a type place. of format. This is a type of place to start spending yeah. some of yeah, that money definitely. because. You know, I made these mistakes when I started playing. I was like, oh, I'm going to buy two boxes every set, get full play sets of everything in standard, and I lost a lot of money, <laughs> as, it'll, as do many people, because that's right. the normal cycle. Right. And if you go into these older formats and really focus on, like, EDH and get, like, make a deck you love, you'll the investment is worth a lot more. Yeah, well, then, and that EDH deck is going to be around for a lot longer right. than a standard yeah, deck is right. going to be around. Exactly. I mean, just even if you're not going to sell those cards or you're not going to do anything with them later, it's just like, hey, instead of getting a card that literally in a year I, I can't use anymore. Right. Anyway, let's wrap things up here today. Thank you, Alex, so much for coming in. Your you're insight welcome. and your input is very wise and I'm sage. I'm sure he'll be back. Yes. And you know um, what? This is it. Actually, well, at the <laughs> very enjoy least. enjoy it while it lasted, folks. At the very top. least, we have to bring Craig in because you did call him the worst in the way that he paints you in the negative Actually, light. Actually, we got to bring you guys both in at the same time. Yeah, well, we can have a, we'll have a war, uh, our own our own uh, commander battle off to have see. Have you ever seen me and Craig in the room at the same time? Mm -hmm. Are you sure true? we're not the same person? <laughs> you just, never wait, know. Scary. You might have to tune in <laughs> next week or the next time to find out whether or not they have melded. Uh, they are the Vesuvian doppelganger sprouting out of each other. Um, it's really gross. One last, one last, <laughs> one last shout out for top decking. You can find it on Webisodes Network. Uh, yep. If if you're listening to this podcast, you like magic. That means you like this show. Just check it's it awesome. out. We literally are releasing the last six episodes of the second season. So awesome. check it out. It should be awesome. Yeah, it's a blast. It's a lot of fun, and it's made by our friends. So that means it's made by your friends as well, because you're listening to this podcast, and we're all one big happy you family. You can't see it, but I'm hugging the microphone. I I see it, and it's, it's a little really, bit it's creepy. Adorable. No, I think it's nice. Creepy. I, I, He's now caressing it. It's creepy. You can probably hear it. He sounds like, <laughs> wow. On well, that note, on that note, thanks guys. for tuning in. Yep. Subscribe to the RSS feed if you haven't. Uh, tell your friends about the podcast. Thanks so much for listening. I'm Jimmy Wong. I'm Josh Lee Kwai. I'm Alex Kessler. We'll see you guys next time. See ya. Thank you for your attention. For further inquiries, send an email to commandcast at rocketjump.com or ask us on Twitter at JF Wong and at Josh Lee Kwai. See you later, alligator. Greetings, humans. <laughs> 
Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.